Actually, I love the idea. Every appearance Madonna makes is, is an appearance, isn't it? I mean, you know, it's, it's a performance. So if she turns up at the airport, it's a performance. If she goes shopping, it's a performance. If she drags her latest boyfriend out, it's a performance. She is Little Miss Show-Off. She's out there because she's in the business of show, and that's what she does. Where they go, oh, she hasn't done, you know, a, a, a performance for years. I thought every day she does a performance. Every day she walks outside the house, she's doing a performance. You know, it's like, oh, I don't want my picture taken. Take it now, take it now. I don't want to, don't, don't, don't. Oh, look, there's a lovely picture. Look, Lord Ayers, look, we've got loads of pictures today. You can imagine, the, you know, if you spend your entire life in front of the cameras, as in she, uh, as in, 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 in the appearance that she gives to people, then it's an addiction. You know, I'm addicted to socks, and she's addicted to having a picture taken. She loves it. That's what these people thrive on. They're in the business of publicity. If you like the carry-on films, I found something of, of great interest for you this morning. I've just had it delivered. I ordered it a short while ago, and it's something that's lain unseen for 50 years. Details coming up a little bit later on this morning. Plus, anybody notice that the taxi drivers went on strike yesterday? No, me neither. I didn't notice anything like that. Do you know, I drove into town yesterday. I said I was going to drive in, and I said I was going to use the Olympic lane. Woo, woo, woo. I got through really quick. You know why? Because coming in on the Westway, there's only about three of us using it. There's all other cars. We're trying to get out of it. And actually, on the Euston Road, there was a car in front of me. And he's indicating furiously to get off the Olympic lane. And I felt like, I mean, I was, I was sort of, admittedly, you know, I was not helping matters. But I go, beep, 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 get out of the blooming way, you idiot. And, of course, you can use all the Olympic lanes. Every one of them, except the one coming in on the M4 and the one that's out at Egham because they've got some, something going, I don't know, midget racing or something, I don't know, they've got something going on out there. So uh, it's good fun to use, because I tell you, whiz through London ever so quickly. Although my driver this morning was getting a little bit perturbed at which lanes he's allowed to use and which lanes he can't use, and when he's in this lane, why does it then vanish, and this lane becomes that lane, and that lane, which is the, which is the, uh, the Olympic lane, then comes into my lane, and then my lane disappears, and now there's only the Olympic lane and a bus lane. Where does he go there? I said, you pick up the car and you walk with it. So much easier if you're a black cab driver. You just go wherever you want to go. Stop at traffic lights. Break every rule under the sun, because who cares? Who cares, ladies and gentlemen? Anyway, in the paper today... Oh, I'm delighted to report that the bloke from Rogue Traders has been jailed for three months. This is the bloke who drove the motorcycle for Matt Allwright. You know, they were buddy buddies... And they made the little... Pro- In fact, they made little vignettes every time they appeared on Rogue Traders. They made little vignettes. Little do we realise that the bloke driving the motorcycle was a bent benefits crook. Yes, he was robbing us blind, ladies and gentlemen. Not just of 100 quid or 200 quid, about £24,000. So, quite rightly, the judge has sent him to prison. And the BBC have said they'll never use him again. Which is good news. Which is good news. There's also a huge story in all the papers again today. Uh, In fact, there are two. One about the uh, HSBC, which they say has allowed rogue states and drug cartels to launder billions of pounds through their branches. And the other one is some some girl, I use the term loosely, who worked for Barclays. She's in all the papers. She's, uh, She's another one of these thieves who works on the counters. Only this time she thieved, I forget how many thousands of pounds it was, and it was all to turn herself into a glamour model. To be honest with you, having looked at the pictures, if this girl had had a head transplant, she wouldn't have made it as a glamour model. She just isn't attractive. So she spent the money she thieved on uh, hair extensions, uh, boob transplant, uh, teeth, uh, hair, you know, everything. She had everything done, and still she looks like the last turkey in the shop, I'm afraid. It was a complete and utter waste of time and money, but she robbed it, and there's a very good chance she'll probably go, go to prison. 
So she's in all the papers today. I can't remember her name, but uh, she's one of these sort of stupid people who's quite clearly not, you know, not of, you know, not of sort of the same intelligence as the rest of us. And she decided that if money's coming into a bank, she was going to have it. So she thieved it. And, um, and there's a picture of her in the paper date, Rachel Martin. She's a rather stupid, pathetic person. Sad and lonely. 24 years old. Single mother. Da-da! There you go again. Splashed out on shopping sprees in Bristol. She usually siphoned about 1,000 or 2,000. On one occasion, she took six. So in the end, she stole £46,000 to buy a boob job. I'd have had brains inserted into your head, love. It would have been easier. Because, frankly, you look as thick as a brick. And I hope, for goodness, for your sake, they send you to prison. And now they're trying to work it out. They get the money back. They say if she spent it. Well, you go in, then you take everything back. You have her taken into hospital, have the boob things taken out. You rip her hair transplants out. You take all her clothes, because she's quite clearly bought them for, through ill-gotten gains. You know, I'm not having any truck with these people. You thieve from a bank. You know, if I was with Barclays, I'd be really fed up. But I'm not with Barclays, so I really couldn't care less. I'm just telling you that if somebody thieves, you make them suffer. And they have to pay. They have to pay for their crimes. Andrea Dreary, you know, the weather girl, McLean, who's, you know, marriage split up, then she broke down on television, then she collapsed. And she's now apparently filming some... I mean, just, why don't you shut up about your boring life, love? Why don't you just shut up? Nobody cares. I hit the bottle for gay sex scene. She had to start drinking to get her through a pretend lesbian scene. I mean, you know, you, you, you could only marvel at the intelligence of the... And it's going to rain here today, and over this side it's going to be cloudy. That's the intelligence of weather girls, ladies and gentlemen. That's about as far as she could go. That's about as far as she could go, I'm afraid. And so, for doing this, this gay sex scene, she had to turn to drink. It's called acting, love. It's what you do every day. You remember when you, when you sort of collapse and you do... It's acting. It's like that. It's that, that kind of thing, only without being filmed. Do you know, I haven't seen Lucy. I didn't even know it was still on. I didn't even know it was still on. If it's still got Denise Welsh on it, I don't want to watch it. Because, frankly, who wants to watch an ex-drunk, you know, leering about on the television? I mean, it was so, I was so glad when they got rid of Colleen Nolan. I mean, that was, that was absolutely brilliant. Apparently, before she kissed this actress, Andrew McLean, 42 at least, apparently had to down half a bottle of whiskey. Really? How do you manage on the... T- are you drinking every day on the television, then, or something? I mean, how does that work? You had to down... She says... I, I had to kiss a few guys in the film, which was odd, as I've only ever had two boyfriends, and I married both of them. Didn't you just, dear? And apparently she's had offers from other men since she's been single. Good grief, no kidding. I'm a, the dreary rubbish that they tell you about their boring lives. And apparently, she's uh, lots of men have asked her out, including a high-profile married man. She tells you... She doesn't tell you who it is. She won't tell you who it is. It's a high-profile married man who's asked her out. And she said, he wasn't happy at all when I gave him the brush-off via email, which made me feel very uncomfortable. Oh, so he's got your email, love, has he? Do you know, that they're, they're kind of... They're so dumb, these people, aren't they? They say, so-and-so phoned me. and think, what, they've got your phone number? How do they get hold of this? Oh, dear me. Dear me, dear me, dear me. Anyway, here is uh, uh, Pentiado. This is Dan Pentiado. That's the, the bent one who thieved from us, ladies and gentlemen. The, uh, the rogue trader. Uh, his, uh, his wife was there. He was jailed for 12 weeks. Um, it's not a victimless crime. It was planned over four years. I mean, quite cl- I mean, he must have realised. I've never nicked in my life. I know it makes me sound a little bit sanctimonious and a bit Mother Teresa. But I've, I've, always been t- I've never even used, since we've been in this building, and it's been a few years now, I've never even used the company phone. Never, ever use the company phone for making a private phone call. Never once use the post for sending something private, unless I put stamps on it. I'm just so goody-goody. I'm just such an honest person. You know, there's very few of us left. 
I'm one of them. I've just realised, actually, the camera's turned round the wrong way. How strange. I shall come and turn that back round to face me. I don't want to... We'll have something... Oh, why is that facing the wrong way? I shall sort that out in a minute. Very, very odd. So here he is. He's in court. Co-presenter with Matthew Allwright on a selection of watchdog shows. Looks stunned and tearful as they led him to the cells. Well, you shouldn't have blown thieved, should you? I've got no sympathy whatsoever, I'm afraid. He'd claimed benefits over four years. He'd earned £56,000 from the show and then decided to thieve more. He knew exactly what he was doing, and uh, and there he was. In fact, every time I see him now, luckily you won't be seeing him on screen ever again, and they'll try and be erasing him. Because quite clear, there aren't any checks on these people. Presumably, if... I mean, I'm assuming he's like a lot of the BBC people. He's paid, you know, on a freelance basis, don't you think? Mmm, yum, 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 yum. Hot lemon this morning. Ugh, so bored with hot lemon, I really am. But uh, it's good for you. Ever since I read, a very famous actress the other day said that every morning she had lime, lime juice in hot water. And I thought, well, I've tried that. That's a bit dull, I'm afraid. But, but better to have the, the lemon. And apparently really good for you. Although I've not noticed any benefits whatsoever. The dying mother of one of the Moore's murder victims is in the paper today. This is Winnie Johnson. She's got bowel cancer. She's not going to live for very much longer. And she's written a final letter to... Uh, to Ian Brady to say, where's my son buried? He hasn't got the faintest idea. They didn't know any- where anybody was buried on the moor because, unfortunately, it was so long ago, 1964, you remember, uh, as most of us did in that time. I remember the uh, the awful tapes that were played in court of the uh, of one of the children who was being murdered, saying, don't, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. It was the most tragic thing you've ever heard, and they haven't got the faintest idea. I'm so glad Myra Hindley's dead. She, of course, is rotting in hell, and the sooner Ian Brady disappears to hell, the better for everybody. Unfortunately, it doesn't give Winnie any answers at all. She's been up to the moors, the police have been up there, they've, they've tried everything. They've done the heat-seeking cameras, they, they've tried, you know, the thermal imagery, nothing at all. For the simple reason, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, and he hasn't got the faintest idea. So they've taken him up there. She's been uh, in and out of hospital. And in the, this uh, documentary, it's going to be shown, I think, on more 4 at 10pm on Monday. It's called Dear Mr Brady. And she's not going to get the answers. She's not going to get any answers she wants, which is a shame because she's had to live with it for her entire life. And she's got to 79 and he's still living. And you so wish that somebody had killed him in prison years ago. But uh, they're hoping that they can reopen the search on the moors. It's not going to happen. They're not going to find anything now. It's just awful. But they have found the Mona Lisa. Isn't that lovely? In a convent in Italy, they decided to dig up the floor and they found a few wizened up... She doesn't look as good as she did when the picture was taken, it has to be said. She's, uh, they found these bones under the floor and they're saying that this is Mona Lisa. So what they're going to do is they're going to recreate it, which they can do now. You know, sometimes you see pictures of people in the papers where they go, do you know this person? That's generally been recreated from a dead body. They sort of have artists who can do it. And in the case of the Mona Lisa, they can put it all back, back together again and they can show you what she looked like, which should be absolutely staggering. This is LBC 97.3. Nice to see John Terry in the dock again. He's on a boat and he's in the, uh, the back bit of it. It's called the dock. And he was there relaxing, you know, because he's a footballer. He doesn't play much football. They don't seem to do that nowadays. But uh, the good news is he was joined by his uh, wife, Tony, 31, here in after, known as the doormat, and other members of his family. And um, he was backed in court by, of course, Ashley Cole. He's now on a break in Los Angeles where he's been partying with rapper pal Drake. 
I'm afraid I have no idea who Drake is. It's generally people called Norman, and they then change their names to something like that. But they spent £13,000 on champagne at a Hollywood club. I love these Hollywood clubs that can actually charge people 13000 quid, and they love dim footballers. They absolutely love it. Yeah, this is, the best fo- this is the best champagne you can get. Oh, you must really drink this. How much is that? It's uh, £6,000 a bottle, but, of course, you shouldn't need to ask. You're a footballer. Oh, no, no, right. So they don't, they don't ask footballers, so clubs charge them whatever they feel like, which is fantastic. The sooner we take all their money off them, the better. Wonderful. Uh, Colin says, with regards to the girl who stole £46,000 to transfer herself, transform herself into a glamour model, seeing how she looks now, can you imagine what she looked like before all of the upgrades? I know. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, what is it with these stupid people of limited intelligence who think that being a glamour model is something glamorous? I mean, it really isn't. It re- it's the lowest of the low. Glamour model is just only just above porno. It's that low down the lip. And you see them and you get, watch it. The moment you see them on television, you know, before they've opened their mouth, you know what they are. What do you do, love? Glamour model? Oh, right. What do you think? You catwalk, do you? No. You're just a girl who doesn't mind getting her boobs out. You know, which is one above porno. Lovely picture of the paper. No, in fact, there wasn't a picture of the paper. I was watching the television. I thought I was having deja vu. Because they've started in, in preparation to prepare you for the next dreary series of The Only Way is Essex to show you some of the old... The only way is Essex's. So this was the one where it turned out that Sam Faears was madly in love with Mark Wright, who had been with Lauren and then been with uh, Lucy Mecklenburg. In fact, actually, the only person he hadn't slept with was the cat belonging to one of the cameramen. Apart from that, he he appeared to have slept with everybody in the series. And then you had uh, Lauren, who was going to move in with him. Lauren, the fishwife, Goodyear. Shows how funny it was. You know, she was going, yeah, because I'm going to move in with him. And her sister came back and said, but... He's just cheated on you. Shouldn't you just sort of go back to dating? No, goes fishwife Lauren, who was so dim, it was an embarrassment. And then, of course, you had Chloe being shown around the club by Kirk, who we got rid of out of the series because he was too boring. And Chloe was going to get a job there. She went, you hitting on me, to Kirk, who looked like he'd rather pick on anybody out on the street apart from Chloe Sims. And, um, and who else was in it? Whatever it was, Lucy Mecklenburg looks like a five-year-old with makeup on. It was all, it was all just a bit worrying. Because you suddenly realise what a vile bunch of people they are. Unfortunately, Arge was as fat as a house. Unfortunately, Mark Wright was as fake as he is throughout every single episode of any show. And the more I sat there and watched it, the more I kept thinking, what a pile of rubbish. What a pile of rubbish. But I'm strangely addicted to it. John Warrington very kindly sent me the other day a load of um, recordings of all the shows that he's made for me. Because he knows I love Katie Price. Love Katie Price, like, you know, thinking of being her for Halloween. And uh, really enjoying, you know, the uh, the amusing, monotone, nasal voice that is Katie Price, who's in one of the papers today, actually. She's in the sun, telling you how marvellous she is and uh, how she looks around at everything she's got and she can't believe that she's got it. I know, we think the same. We think the same. For a woman who can't draw, design, write or do anything, she seriously believes, because she's a bit deluded, that uh, that she's she's done all of this, as opposed to, it's it's sold for an agency, and that the house is a bit. I mean, she's in this new house. Ha- I mean, it's, it's just it's not a lived-in house. Doesn't look lived-in to me. It's it's not at all. It's it's not at all nice. But you know, it keeps her happy, and she loves telling people how much money she's got, and uh, she loves telling people that she's a, a businesswoman. And then they've got a quote. They've obviously decided to add credibility. To poor dreary Jordan, who can't keep a man for love nor money. Makes you wonder why, and then you see how vile she is after every man finishes with her or she finishes with them. And it'll happen the same to the little 
the little Argentinian bloke who she's probably about to marry, because that's, that's what she thrives on. She, she thrives on publicity and having makeup trout on her face. And so, and then she wonders why she can't keep blokes. So I was reading this this article, and they've managed to find Jenny Murray. Jenny Murray is some ancient old broadcaster who's been around since God created heaven and earth. And uh, she met her and said, oh, I really like her. Jenny Murray's that funny woman with the glasses perched at the end of her nose. Which, of course, we all do if you wear glasses. So you could look over the top and look terribly, terribly serious. And then you could look through the glasses and then you could see what the person looked like you're talking to, which is great. And so they've got a quote from Jenny Murray, which is weeks old now because it was in the papers ages ago, on Jenny Murray, why I like Jordan. And, of course, you think, well, you'd have to. You know, it's the, it's the kind of thing people write about every so often. And so you've really got, you know, Jordan droning on in her boring way about how she's a businesswoman, loves her children, does this and does that, and, you know, and can't believe that she's got an equestrian outfit and a jewellery range. She said, I'll probably be designing. She's never designed anything in her life. That's how delusional she is. I'll probably be, be, be designing, she says, uh, disability uh, little trolley things with diamantes on them. I thought, no, you won't. No, you won't, dear. Little picture of a uh, little mix in the paper today. And uh, they're a bit of a worry, aren't they? Every time I see them, I think, ugh, can't bear them, cannot stand them. Perry, Jade Thurlwell, Jesse Nelson and Lee Ann Pinnock. There must be another one, actually. Oh, it must be Perry. Oh, Perry's one of them. She's a bit of a worry. Which is the one who's got a wayward brother? One of them's got a wayward brother, hasn't she? Is that the one from Romford? Oh, God, are you sure she's from Romford? Oh, that can't be. Romford's quite nice. I've played Romford. Romford's nice. Oh, dear. But they do look a bit of a worry. Because they go on television and they're just so fake. And I've heard that ghastly single of theirs. I think it's called Wings. You just wish they'd all put them on and take off and go somewhere else. NAF Group. Very, very NAF Group. I don't know who's buying their records. Probably nobody. I shouldn't wonder at the moment. So we've got Little Mix in the papers today. And then you've got uh, this... I can't even... No, I can't do that story, actually. I can't do it. It's a man in America who has got the world's biggest appendage, Okay, It is so big, this appendage, when he went through airport security, they thought he was hiding a suspect package. And he's had documentaries made about him, because apparently, just to really depress you, it's 13.5 inches. I'm feeling quite queasy, actually, this morning. And and he he went through security. They've made documentaries about him, and they thought he was hiding something. Well, he was. He wasn't going to show them. He said, next time, he said, I'm going to uh, be wearing bike shorts. God, I don't think he'd be allowed on the plane at all. I feel quite sorry for him, really. His name is Jonah Falcon. He was frisked and led through a body scanner. (laughs) Imagine, can't you? All the things. I'd just like to stand in there, thank you. Oh, my God. Look, oi, oi, look at it, look, look at it, just look, look. You can imagine them, can't you? All standing there, sort of laughing. The one with the funny face, everybody said she was ugly. Oh, is that the one in Little Mix? One of them is deeply unattractive. One of, I mean, I don't want to be rude, but to be honest with you, I thought the whole idea of being in a group was that you're attractive. You know, and unfortunately, a little mix kind of bucked the trend. Yes, there's one here. I think Perry, Jade Thirlwell's a bit of a worry. They've all got their, what they call, their little makeover outfits on. In other words, somebody styled them, and they've put them in these, these sort of clothes. She's a bit of a worry, actually. She's got too much hair. It's not hers, is it? Quite clearly not hers. Grown on the back of a yak, or a, a very elderly donkey, I should imagine. Uh, Talisa has been given an ultimatum over the sex video. They're still going on about the sex video. And the group of people she's suing for leaking the clip uh, plan to say, listen, why don't you take a share of the profits, drop any objections, or you get nothing at all? Because they haven't got any money. So I don't don't quite know where she goes from this. I bet you you wish, Talisa, you'd never made it in the first place, don't you? How dumb are you? 
How dumb are you? It's going to haunt you for the rest of your life. Wherever you go, people are going to be going, seen your tape. Didn't pay for it. You know, that's how it's going to be, I'm afraid. More people nowadays are sending texts. Nobody picks up the phone. You know what? If, if, if you're going to cancel a date with somebody, you send a text, don't you? If you're going to cancel an event, you send a text. You never pick up the phone because you're too worried they're going to go, I don't believe you. So you send a text, really sorry, have to cancel. You know, and, and you, I, I, I cancel things all the time. I can't, I'm constantly cancelling things, and I'm constantly sending texts. You know, I'm going, terribly sorry, can't make it, something else has come up, or whatever it happens to be. And apparently we do that now all the time. The average adult sends 50 texts a week, which is three times more than five years ago. And you know why? Because it's so much fun. You could just send a text, can't you? I love sending texts. I love sending texts. I'm, I'm getting a lot better. My spelling's getting much better now. Sometimes I go really, really fast. And then even I can't read it because I seem to end up with the letter C everywhere. We've lost the art of picking up the telephone. We've lost the art of conversation. We don't do conversation now. We send texts. Nobody does conversation. I do conversation. And I do texts as well. Perhaps it's a perhaps it's a sign of the times. Because sometimes you listen to people and their voice sounds a bit... And you start worrying about them, don't you? Sometimes you hear people, especially on phone-in programmes, and they go, oh, hello. And you think, ooh, you sound a bit scary. How many texts do you send a week? Come on, honestly. Because you generally find that nobody ever sends just one. You've already sent loads. I don't know how many. I think I get unlimited texts on my phone, and that, that's generally what it comes down to. And I get texts, I think, when was the last text? The last text I sent was, was yesterday. And I received two, two this morning. And, oh, I mean, I just started calling the driver again. I just inadvertently pushed the wrong button. So, I mean, I, I get loads of messages from people. And um, it's it's sort of... I don't know, it's become addictive. I never thought years ago that I would have done that. I, I, I seriously never thought that I, I would catch up with that. I remember when, when mobile phones first came out. And do you remember all the stories? I could probably go back into the archives and find you stories of people going, oh, mobile phones, for yuppies, for yuppies. There was a classic story of, a, of an OKR OK guy on the train. And uh, he's got a phone. I mean, nowadays, you sit on the train and everybody's got their mobile phone. Everybody's texting. Everybody's doing predictive text. Everybody's making phone calls. Even people who shouldn't be making phone calls are making phone calls. But years and years ago, when they first came out, it was only rich people had them. That's hence yuppies. Okay, yeah. And this guy's on the phone and he's, like, you know, talking to his friend. going, it's absolutely great. It's marvellous. Could have been anybody, really. And, uh, and I believe some woman, so the apocryphal story goes... Went up to him and said, oh, is that one of the latest mobile phones? He went, it is. It so is. And she went, can I have a look? And he said, yes. And so she looked at it, she opened the window and threw it out. She went, now we're going to get some peace. He went, oh, it's my phone. Just going out the window. Stop the train. Quick, pull the emergency. And, um, and, and if, you, you really felt a bit sorry. Nowadays, everybody's got them. Kids have got them. You see five-year-olds on phones, texting. Little kids. Everybody's got mobile phones. Far from being yuppies, it is, it is the only item, barring the colour television, that has swept through the country and, and, and people will spend a fortune. My first mobile phone was £1,500. That was my first mobile phone. I mean, by, by comparison of today and the technology, it was a very basic Panasonic field telephone kind of thing. And when I say field telephone, it did look like it was the sort of thing the army would have with an actual phone hand sent on it. And I had it in the car, plugged into the cigarette lighter, and the phone would be and you'd pick it up, and it lit up and everything. It looked fantastic. And I went down to see a friend of mine. I went out with Biggins one night to a trichologist, Philip Kingsley, in uh, Mayfair. And... My car was broken into. I know it was broken into because I heard my alarm going off. And they went, oh, it's a car alarm going off. And uh, it was um, 
And it was somebody broken in, taking my mobile phone. So I phoned the police and said, my mobile phone's been broken. He said, would you like to come down and see if you can see it here? I said, oh, have you got some in? He said, about 40,000. It was, it was the most nicked item, I'm afraid. One of, our, one of our young gals in the office says her hair looks like it was grown on the back of a donkey. Very, very old yak, I think. I don't think it was a donkey. She does have good hair days and bad hair days. Mainly good hair days. Have you noticed? In the studio, Rupert, I don't want to mention anything, but somebody's turned the camera around so it's not actually on me. I'm finding this a little bit disconcerting. My ego is somewhat bruised. It's facing you. I'm not happy about that at all. That's finishing. At the moment you've gone, I'm turning it round to face me. Because it looks like it's remote. It looks like all the cameras in here are remote. There's one over this side, but that one doesn't come on very often. I'll just have to turn this one around. Somebody obviously has been in the studio and turned it round, and I don't know who it is. I, I, it's Imran on reception. I was upsetting him earlier on when I said to him, I said, all those noisy people outside. I said, your, your children will be like that. He said, no, they won't. I said, yeah, they will. I said, your, your, your daughter and son, you know, they'll get to 16. They go, just go around to a friend's dad to do a jigsaw. I said, they'll be out on the town drinking. And, you know, he said, no, they won't. <laughs> oh dear. So anyway, are you using your phone just for texting or do you actually do you have the ability to pick it up and actually make a phone call or if you were cancelling something like lunch, would you seriously ju- you you just send a text, wouldn't you? Really sorry, can't can't make it. Give you a ring later. That's the, generally the thing I write. I'll go I'll give you buzz later. Lots of love, Steve. It's LBC 97.3. Time now is 4:30. <laughs> C97.3. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. I was so miffed. I tried to turn the camera around. You can't turn it around. It's obviously controlled from downstairs because you cannot turn it. I tried to turn it and uh, it's obviously on a motor or something inside there. Very disappointed by that. No, yeah, yeah, the lens is fake. You try and turn it. It doesn't turn. See, look at that. Mind you, weren't much caught with Lego, were you? So there's no point you're trying to do some, some technology like a camera. Uh, Read the uh, benefit cheat from Rogue Traders, says Joe. They should make him and other benefit cheats do community service. Oh, no, no, no. That's, no. that's why I wouldn't solve the problem. Why would that solve? So in other words, you thieve loads of money and they do community service. No, no, hang them. Hang them. Oh, God, yes. Oh, absolutely. Public executions. Or failing that, the stocks. I like the idea of the stocks. In other words, you take him... And you put him in stocks, and then on Saturday night, all the dr- in Leicester Square, we could have them illuminated, and they spend an hour in there, and you can buy rotten fruit, and you can just throw it at them. Oh, gosh, you'll have a field day. Have a field day. And then you take them out, then you hang them. You know, just to be, sort of, just to be caring about the whole thing. Oh, no, I don't think community service does anything. I don't even know what community service is. I thought community service was where they just sat at home and went and swept a neighbour's garden or something like that. So, no, no, no. I, I want the money back. And I don't care how he pays it back, you know, whether he goes and gets 10 jobs over the next 1,500 years, but he goes and he pays that money back, or we go around and we take everything away from him. It's as simple as that. Why should should this man have thieved that much money from people who probably need it and who probably won't get it because, you know, everybody is a little bit bit sort of tight with with money nowadays. So that's that's why. That's why. No, definitely not community service. Uh, Re Leicester Square. Why is the square called Leicester? What's the history? I'm assuming it's the Earl of Leicester who probably owned it, because all of London was owned by various people. So Cadogan Square was owned by the Earl of Cadogan, and I think the majority of London is owned by... I can't remember, 
who owns the majority of London. I think it's the Chinese, actually, or the Japanese. But uh, Leicester Square was definitely the Earl of Leicester. He would have owned property around here, and he, he would have a square named after him. Everybody who owned property had squares, so... Every single part of London that's got, you know, a name to it, that's what it would be. It would be somebody who would, be, who would have been gifted the, the land by the king or whoever it was at the time. They would say, in, you know, in recognition of the marvellous job you've done, to keeping the poor off the streets, we're going to give you this bit of London. But Leicester, Leicester Square was always very fashionable. If you look at early pictures of Leicester Square, it was very fashionable with townhouses around the outside. Now it's still very fashionable because we're here, but that's the only thing that's keeping its sanity. The rest of it is just grubby film fans and a piece of grass that just is in the worst state I've ever seen. It would be easier to use AstroTurf. The fountain in the middle has been covered up, but all the plants were dead around the outside. You know, even round our way, we've got plants. I mean, even my plants... Oh, I look a bit weak this morning, my plants. I didn't water yesterday. And today's going to be hot, so as soon as I get back, we shall have to start the watering process. But frankly, you can stand there for an hour on the phone, watering everything. Very tedious, but I mean, I mean you know, OK... Uh, Steve, went to the day well this weekend. The film, loved it, says David. The whole movie available on YouTube. It's been taken off now. I noticed Harry Fowler straight away. Uh, couldn't recognise Thora. Do you remember Harry in the army game? His catchphrase was, uh, follow floggers. I think we could take over from Michael Medwin. Well, I found something else which will be of interest to those people who loved the carry-on films. Because in the early 1960s, our house was a comic interaction between characters who share a large house together. And in the series were Charles Hawtrey, Hattie Jakes, Joan Sims, Norman Rossington and a few others. Now, I have to tell you that there were 39 original episodes. Only three survive. Only three survive. Unseen... For over 50 years, what remains of our house are essential viewing for all carry-on aficionados. And I think you can buy it on YouTube. It's just called Our House, The Three Surviving Episodes. And it's worth getting because um, you won't see them ever again. And I thrive on that kind of stuff. Plus, I also bought Dixon of Doc Green with Jack Warner. Jack Warner, who was president of the CAA. And they've got various episodes now dating from 1970. I think the six episodes in colour. And it's got Jack Warner, Peter Byrne, a series created by Lord Ted Willis. And uh, really, really well worth watching. I'd forgotten it went out on the BBC, but I suppose it must have been in those days. wasn't anything else, was there? And at the end, he used to go, evening all. And it was all, it was, he was a local Bobby, but he was what I call traditional Bobby. Really good stuff. I'm sure that people thought that Jack Warner in real life was a policeman, but uh, he wasn't. He was just a very, very good actor. Oh, eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. Have we lost the art of conversation? Sign of the times, because they're now saying that we text. We text all the time. We don't, we don't even bother picking up the phone to people because it's easier. You sit in the car and you think, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. I know, I'll, I'll send a text. So I have sent texts. I have, I have sent it. In fact, I sent one only the other day. And I said, I'll tell you what I said on it, because I, I thought it was quite good, actually. I don't think anybody ever believes it. And, and I said on this one, um, so sorry, have to cancel lunch, have to cancel lunch, work things to do. Can do tomorrow, though, if it's convenient. And the person wrote back, can't do tomorrow. We'll speak to you Monday as I'm back, uh, back to work. So that was that one. And then you know that, I'm sure people suss it out. They know, if somebody cancels and they don't bother, because if you can send a text, you can pick up the phone, can't you? 
And it's it, it just goes back and forth. And in the end, you go, OK, see you soon. That's just the letter C and then U and then SN. See you soon. And then you put a big kiss. You know, if you're really guilty, you put a big kiss. If, if you're sort of semi-guilty, you put two little kisses. But my predictive text always puts up CX. So I then have to write back, sorry about that, should have been an extra X. Don't like to sort of, you know, cut back on the kissing department. Even though apparently you're not supposed to send kisses unless you know the person really well and you would, in fact, kiss them. If you send them to somebody at work, it's highly inappropriate. They did that the other day in the paper, saying that more and more HR departments are inundated with people complaining about somebody from work who's managed to get hold of their their number and they put kisses on the end of it because the person who you've sent them to is duty-bound to think that, oh, they're actually hitting on me. And so they don't like to send kisses back. And it all all becomes a a wee bit messy, I'm afraid. So just be very, very careful if you're thinking of sending a message to somebody and thinking of putting kisses at the end of it. Because some people don't don't like it. They find it very, very intrusive. So you text people saying you'll call them later, says Sue, but do you actually call them later? Actually, I do. I do get around to it. Sometimes, I always say I'll call you later, but sometimes it could be a couple of days because I'm a little bit, a little bit busy with things like that. She says, think most people say that, but they never do. Text about 40 texts a day. Now I have an iPhone. Also FaceTime my young son on his iPad when I'm working. There you go. Any news on the results of the bus ballot? I don't know. Do we have any? We'll, we'll find out for you. Um, another one here, which says, Steve, I'm 17 years old and the proud owner of a BlackBerry smartphone, latest model. I can go weeks without making a phone call. And, um, and my BlackBerry mobile is all I need to communicate with the outside world. And I've had, oh, BBM. What's BBM? Oh, BlackBerry Messenger is all I need to communicate with the outside world. And I've had great text conversations. However, I've never had a great phone call. I tend to find, though, that if you can't make a phone call, it makes you introverted. It makes you, it makes you almost a little bit of a recluse, like kids who sit in their bedroom and, and, and sort of don't... It says here, we're living in a new era, get with it. Now, to be honest with you, I'm going to find out who you are, because I'm, I'm quite curious as to whether or not you're a boy or a girl, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the fact that is this a boy thing or is this a girl thing? Oh, it's very slow, isn't it? Hang on, wait a minute. It's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, so we shall... Wait a minute, we take that off there. And Oh, no, it's only the first person. So, in other words, I don't believe you. I don't believe you at all. And uh, we're not living in a new era. I think you're lonely. I think you're introverted. I think you've got no friends at all. And that's why you say, I've never had a great phone call. God, you need to get out and get alive. Not young, it's 17. It's 17. It's not young. Young is seven. Young is seven and eight. 17. You're practically voting, for God's sake. Dear God. No, you need to get a life. I'm sorry. You're you're obviously, you know, do you sit in your bedroom a lot playing on your computer all by yourself? Do you have a lot of what I call virtual reality friends? Do you have that kind of thing? Oh, no, you have to stop children doing that. When people say that they've never actually had a decent phone call, that's generally an indication they need to get out. You need to get out. But never had a decent phone call blimey i've had thousands thousands of decent phone calls even when i was young even when i was 15 16 i had hundreds of decent phone calls so i mean i feel really sorry for you you are going to be the silent generation the can't speak to people so when eventually somebody starts a conversation with you you don't know what to do because you get um uh i'll have to text you so that's why people don't know very sad. How are you going to converse? How are you going to converse with people? 
That's 17. I bet you've not had a relationship either. 84850, uk. Um, did you see Come Dine With Me? No, I haven't seen it for a little while, actually. I haven't seen it for a little while. Mainly because, you know, you, you sort of go off things a bit. And I haven't actually sort of been tempted to watch any of it. Mainly because some of the people on there, I've started thinking they've lost their way. The, the programme Come Dine With Me is about people coming round to somebody else's house to have some food, but they're all peculiar. I think they've been round to homes and got people out of homes because sometimes they sit there going, oh, I can't eat that. And you think, it's a food programme. You know, if it's a food programme, you try everything. Don't be such a girl's blouse. You know, and some of the people are just ridiculously embarrassing. Some of the people are show-offs. Some of the people shouldn't be on television at all. And 90% of them can't cook for toffee. So it kind of defeats the object. When it first started, it was better because people were doing things. And I still remember the woman who did fruit salad for a dessert with ice cream. And she thought the novel thing was putting Maltesers on it. We laughed like a drain on that one. (laughs) Which I thought was terribly funny. Um, Another one here. Uh, Lee and Royden. I don't even know where Royden is, I'm afraid. Uh, Jean in Tottenham. Says, a uh, good way to start the day with your programme. As you're talking about text, I thought I'd send you one. There you go, you see? It's nice, isn't it? I like that. How many texts do you send, though? That's what I, that's what I want to know. Steve, I nearly turned you off because you mentioned Jordan. She's banned from my ears and eyes. Um, well, you know, that's kind of tough, isn't it, really? Kind of tough. Uh, we also, we know what the Mona Lisa looks like. There's a picture of her in the Louvre. Yeah, but this is her dead. OK, and, uh, and and what what they've done is they found the bones. They think it's the woman. She was she was something, something, something. She was titled. And so what they will do is they will actually uh, put it, put her back together again. They did a thing the other day. And I don't know if I did it on the programme. And it was a man who was, I think, the Archbishop of London. But he'd been a high-ranking government official back in the 1500s. And he was praying, I believe, in the Tower of London when the mob stormed in, dragged him out and beheaded him. And the reason they beheaded him was because he'd brought in some very unpopular taxes. Nowadays, people just pop up on Newsnight. In those days, they executed you. And they nailed his papal hat through his head and they stuck his head up on Tower Bridge on a spike. And it was rescued, as indeed many were. You actually paid the ferryman to go out there and rescue your head back of your loved one. It happened on numerous occasions. In, in a lot of occasions, they covered the heads with tar, so they would have been unrecognisable. And the reason they covered them with tar was to stop the seagulls pecking them. I was going to say to death, but of course by that time they were long since dead. And so people would go over there and you would pay the ferryman, he would take the head down and for whatever it costs he would give you back the head. So the head of this archbishop arrived in a church in London and they were doing some renovations and had been up on the wall. But over the years, of course, it had just turned into a skull. And so what they did with the help of, uh, of one of the universities was they recreated what his face looked like based on the skull. So with the Mona Lisa, they can look at all the uh, the bones that they've got in the same way they can do it with, with the pharaohs. You go to the British Museum and you have a look at the pharaohs or the Cairo Museum and they've recreated the face. That's how they know what Tutankhamun looked like because they recreated the face. Although that story is, of course, the most fascinating and that's the one that interests everybody. But if they recreate the Mona Lisa's face, will she look 
as she did in her portrait? That will be the big question. They will do it, and hopefully it should be about by this time next year. Quarter to five. LBC 97.3. My London. 13 minutes to five. Wednesday morning in London town. Uh, we get ever closer. The Olympic Games. What are we? Nine days now. Ooh, can't wait. Can't wait. All the papers full of this bank clerk. Rachel Claire Martin, a rather stupid thief. And here she is with her fake glasses, her fake mobile phone, her fake coat, her fake hair, her fake boobs, fake everything, I'm afraid, because she thieved from the bank where she worked. Uh, she faces going to prison. Brilliant. I would also make sure all the extensions were taken out, everything was taken back off her again. because. And also I would love to find out, because I'm always intrigued by these kind of things, don't you think her parents thought at some point, wait a minute, she's only a humble clerk in a bank. How is she affording all these things? She's out boozing, she's always got money, she's just had a boob job done, she's had her teeth... Where does the money come from? Answer, she's a thief. I would absolutely go round to her place and take everything away. But of course, you know what's going to happen, because we're so caring in this country, because she's a single mum... They'll go, oh, we're going to spare you jail this time. No, not me. Kid in care. You know the consequences. You thieve, you pay the price. And she went out for clothes, shoes and boozy nights out. The trouble is, at the end of the day, she just looks like, you know, dreadful. A right dog's dinner, I'm afraid. So the 46 grand went nowhere, but uh, they'll be determined to get it back. Because I just don't think... Because otherwise, there's no deterrent for anybody who thieves. There is absolutely no deterrent. People just go out there and thieve and they go, oh, I can't do anything about that. I was, we, we've just lost another um, restaurant in Twickenham and they said they were going to Staines and I made the joke to somebody the other day. I said, oh, yes, Staines, the millionaire's playground. That's where they go to try and find people for the Jeremy Kyle show. They don't have to look very far. They're just walking up and down the street. It is full of pond life. It is full of pond. There's some nice people in there. Don't get me wrong. You know, I can't do a sweeping generalisation, but there's certainly a lot of people for the Jeremy Kyle show. Uh, mind you, Twickenham's a bit like that at times because people get off the buses there. You know, they, they, they come round see if they can shoplift, but as all we've got is charity shops, there's no point. You're not going to shoplift from Sandy's, are you, the fish shop? Who's going to walk out with crabs? Oh, half of them, I do wish. Uh, other stories in the paper today. This is... Uh, what was I looking at here? There was something... Oh, that's right. I, I heard Duncan mention this earlier on. The cathedral city of Hereford, now greeted with the words, Welcome to Poland. To be honest with you, it's, it's, it almost could be somebody from the paper going in there with a spray can and just writing, welcome to Poland. And then they, they make up a story about that. I'd love to find out where Anil Dewar, the writer of the story, actually originates from. It'd be so funny if she came from Hereford, wouldn't it, really? And just went out there and wrote it. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, also in the paper today, oh, there's some woman... This is Lindsay Johnson, L-Y-N-S-I. Where do they get these names from? This is some barking mad dictionary of stupid names. Anyway, Lindsay comes from Swansea, and here she is, and she's got a daughter. And uh, Lindsay is uh, 36. Although, believe you me, you'll look at a picture of her, she looks about 70. You, c you can tell she's a smoker, and she's, uh, she's ace chav. Anyway, uh, she, uh, she loses her, her daughter. She washes her hands, turns around, and her daughter's gone. And word of... Caitlin's disappearance spreads. So the next thing is, women with prams joined four police cars and a helicopter in a desperate search. 90 minutes later, a policeman brought the girl home. She'd apparently been, been playing in the next road. Oh, that lovely and so touching. Caitlin had let herself out of the house and gone off to play with a friend two streets away. Lindsay says it was an experience no mother will ever forget. 36, my God, she's an old 36. <laughs> I'm sorry, you look at some people, and, and some people look absolutely brilliant for their age. 
And other people don't, and she's a, she's a don't, I'm afraid. I left her yesterday, and uh, there was an incident down at Charing Cross um, Station. There were fire engines outside there and all sorts of things. And I wasn't sure if it was if it was just a rehearsal for the Olympic Games, just to see how much they could get out there, whether there really was a fire there. A couple of ambulances, I think two fire engines and a, and a, a response unit. So I phoned back here. Well, I didn't just send a text, actually. I said, I said funny, funny, we were talking about texts and phone calls, and I sent a text. It was easy. And I just said Charing Cross, and they quite rightly wrote back and went, Charing Cross where? Because I just assumed Charing Cross, everybody knows it's the station. As opposed to it's an area. Uh, Jake says, I go back and forth between calling and texting, but I mostly talk to people some days when I'm really busy, I only text. But if you're really busy, how do you find time for texting? Because if you're really busy, surely it's easier to pick up the phone and go, listen, I'm really busy. Bye. <laughs> Doesn't that make more sense? And um, I'm 19. Rarely use text or FB for communication. What is it? What's FB? What does that mean? FB for communication. Facebook. But I have few friends because it seems that most people my age feel uncomfortable communicating in the flesh. God, blimey, it's getting more tragic by, you know, by the day, isn't it? Uh, Morning from sunny L.A., listening on my internet radio, says Chris. Uh, and Dave says, another oldest series, never be allowed to be televised again. Love thy neighbour with Rudolph Walker, who's Patrick Truman from EastEnders. Uh, it's, it's been available for ages. I've got all of them, love thy neighbour. Because, of course, people completely forgot about the fact that the black family had the upper hand. It was, it was the family from next door who people were thought were being terribly racist, but the black family all, always got the upper hand. Although, to be honest with you, I can't stand Patrick Truman's character in EastEnders. I really can't. I don't know why. Just something about it. I think, where is this person coming from? I just didn't think it was, you know, very, very realistic, I'm afraid. Very realistic. Karen's having an emotional week because uh, son Josh leaves his junior school. Oh, it's going to be lots of... That's where they go from junior school to big school, isn't it? Oh, God, there'll be tears. Oh, it'll be dreadful. <sighs> Such emotional cripples at that age. They're doing a lever service. That's where you go. I can't remember back to those uh, those days, which is probably just as well. The idea of remembering when you went to school. It was always a bit daunting, wasn't it, when you go to big school. When you go to... If, if you go to big school, and it's like you go in on your first day, and you think, I hope nobody notices me. hope I can just blend into the flower bush. And you get in there, and then luckily, in your, in your class, there's, like, loads of people who are also new at the same time. So you all cling together. You know, you go out there as if you're all banded by a piece of string, because you don't, you don't want anybody to sort of to come round there to pick on you. It's terrible. I told you, the day that my, uh, my oldest goddaughter went to school, so the school bus comes, and, of course, quite rightly, as most kids do, you think, if I go and sit at the back... Nobody will notice me. But, of course, that's where all the rough children sit. So she goes and sits at the back of the coach and all the other rough girls get on. <laughs> she's listening to this language, the life of which she's never heard before, the like of which. And she sits there petrified at the back of the coach. She didn't do it the second day. Second day, she sat at the front of the coach by the driver because <laughs> she's sitting there. Because it must be really embarrassing because people go, who are you? Um, um, you girl. What are you doing in our seats? Oh, my God, could be beat up on the coach. But now, of course, she is one of those girls who can sit on the back seat of the coach. Uh, Morning, Steve, says, Joe, I agree texting rather than calling. Unfortunately, these days, replace the phone as, uh, as quicker when you haven't got time to talk. But you've got time to text. I don't understand how it takes time to do texting. And yet you could have picked up the phone and gone, hi, it's me. I can't make lunch. OK, listen, I'm really busy. Call you later. Bye. You put the phone down. 
doesn't doesn't take that long to do it, does it? The mobile's great in so many ways, but it's made us very introverted. Well, it's made people not have any conversation anymore. If you've got a 17-year-old who, who, who hasn't had, has, has never had a decent phone conversation. I mean, that must be really, really awful. Not to have had a decent phone conversation when I have loads of good... Co- I mean, some, I can be on the phone... I used to think my mother was bad. My mother could be on the phone for an hour and a half. She'd be talking to a, a sister or something like that. An hour and a half on the phone. I used to think, Mum, can we use the phone? And by the time she'd finished and put the phone down, you'd completely forgotten who you were going to phone and what you were going to talk to them about. But now I can pick up the phone to somebody and I can go on for ages. <laughs> I worry myself. Worry myself at times. If I'm sending texts backwards and forwards to the godchildren, then it would be texts backwards and forwards. But if I'm, if I'm with them, then we have a conversation. But if, if you're, you know, a single child and you end up, you know, with a computer in your bedroom, you tend to become introverted. You tend to just, you know, talk to the thing and, you, you know, you do Skype or you do whatever it happens to be on the computer. So you don't physically actually talk to anybody. So when it comes to going out there and making conversation and making friends... You, you're starting at zero because you've got no social skills. The social skill is in conversation. I've always discussed, I mean, any, any time we've had one of my live shows, you can't shut the audience up. Terrible. Go on forever and a day, which I like. But it's, it's the young people that cannot speak nowadays. They've got no conversation. It's all yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you know, whatever, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. See you later, bye. They put the phone down, and that, that's their, their idea of a conversation. They go from one extreme to the other. They Skype, which is a phone call. So I text friends at home and then Skype for hours with friends abroad, because it's cheaper that way to do it. You, if, if you're Skyping, always do it abroad. Uh, uh, I didn't see, I'm, I'm afraid, I didn't watch uh, Silly Mary and Coronet. Is that the name Mary? Is this the one who's after Roy Cropper? The stupid character who plays chess. It was just so barking mad. She dropped Piccolilli on his bishop during their game of chess. I think whoever's writing it must be of, you know... it's it's a, Well, because it's so bad. The scripting is so bad. At one point, Roy, Roy, Roy Cropper, who's about 90, OK, bent over behind the counter and she stood up and looked at his bottom. And I thought, it's now plumbed new depths. The sooner the character goes, the better, because they're never, she's never going to have a decent storyline. It was very stupid. I never liked the... I, I, I didn't like some of the other characters they put in there. The moment they start playing it for laughs, I'm afraid it ceases to have any interest to me whatsoever. I preferred it when David Platt was being evil. But Roy Cropper, the man who we've never seen actually cook anything in the cafe because he can't, and goes around with his mother's handbag, he's camper than the blooming wife. The whole thing is just a little bit tragic, I'm afraid. Uh, Hassan says, not the end of the earth, it's the end of rain, start of, uh, of the new sun in the world. Well, actually, we got... Did we get rain yesterday? No, a little tiny bit of rain we got yesterday. Today we're going to get rain again, I'm afraid. Just when you thought maybe we weren't going to be getting rain again, you are definitely... It's going to be throughout the day, scattered intervals uh, of rain with some sunny bits. The rain could be heavy and thundery. Currently, it's 16 degrees. It could rise later on to 21 degrees tonight. The showers will go throughout the early evening, becoming drier overnight with some clear spells in the early hours. Minimum 14 degrees centigrade. Tomorrow, sunny spells to start. Showers expected to develop throughout the day, some likely to be heavy, with a high of 21 degrees centigrade. So, you're all texting. You're not making phone calls because we're all apparently frightened to pick up the phone and we don't have social skills anymore. Nobody picks up the phone. I suspect it's only elderly people who pick up the phone and actually because they've got no idea about texting. 
although a few people are picking up on it because most of our texters are of, uh, let's just call them, you know, over the age of 30. There's a few people, but very sad when you get one from a 17-year-old who's never had a decent phone call. Never, ever had a decent phone call. You think, I've had some really fab... You should phone me. Always have a decent phone call. Oh, blimey, drop it anything at 17. Oh, crikey. 84850, uk. It's LBC 97.3. News at 5 is next. On FM, online and digital. I feel ever so sorry for a woman. She goes on holiday to Farmagusta. Okay, her name uh, was Gloria Smith. Gloria Smith's a retired hairdresser. She goes down to the pool, she comes back up, and in her room is, is what she thinks is a bottle of water. So she has a sip of it. It's not water, it's bleach. The cleaner has left bleach in her room. Now, I don't want to sort of, you know, cast aspersions on this poor woman, but I would have smelt bleach a mile off. I'm only going to take the thing off. It's quite strong. Anyway, so she drinks it. She takes a sip. She goes, ah, being poisoned. Her her husband, or it could be be boyfriend, uh, fiancé, heard her scream. They rush her to hospital in Farmagusta. The nurse doesn't speak a word of English and thinks that she's hyperventilating. So she has a heart attack and dies. Now, you would have thought, you would have thought that, the, that the, the hotel would have been negligent in this case. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. This is the uh, Salamis Bay Conti Resort in Farmagusta. And her fiancé said anybody would assume that this contained water. If that happened in this country, the hotel would find itself prosecuted. Well, you do find more and more that when you go abroad, and I've seen it on the holiday programmes, I think there is one called Holiday Hospital, and it's a, it's a hospital where nobody speaks English. And this is in Spain. In, in most of these places, you would have thought by now people speak English, but I suppose you could use the same argument that somebody coming here would go, what do you mean nobody speaks Spanish in this hotel, you know, in, in this hospital? Because that, that might happen. But English, I thought, went, went around the world, but sadly didn't. So... This woman lost her life. Now, I would never pick up a bottle in a room. If, if, if I thought the cleaners had just been in and the bed had been made, I wouldn't touch any bottle in there at all. And especially if it was bleach. You know, unless I knew that I'd bought the bottle of water, then I wouldn't go anywhere near it. But, I mean, what a tragic way to go. What a tragic way to go. And to get to the hospital and think, you're hyperventilating. No, she's, she's drunk bleach. Drunk bleach, but she's not able to tell them. Awful, awful, awful. It really is. Just be so careful when you go abroad. Just try and make sure that, A, you've got, you know, enough insurance to cover yourself, and, B, the local hospital, somebody speaks English. It would help, wouldn't it? There's also uh, another story about um, about the cooperative. We had them exposed, the cooperative funeral care home, on a, on a programme a short while ago on the television where there were some practices going on which certainly weren't in keeping with the industry. And uh, it's it's the final time for a lot of people. You know, you're expecting a loved one to be dealt with with sympathy and care, not shoved on a trading estate in sort of a mass coffin bank. But anyway, this story concerns a man who worked apparently for them or works for them and, and a grandmother who died who had her belongings stolen. And it's, it, it's kind of indicative of the times we're living in now, isn't it? It's so worrying that you can't trust anybody. You know, we had the story the other day of a policeman who was uh, who was fired because he abused somebody, a fast food worker. We have cases of people stealing from the dead. We had the other day some pensioner who had to defend his flowers as two blokes with a flatbed lorry turned up to remove all his flowers. And I asked the question, what sort of people thieve? What sort of people do this kind of thing? We've had people who've 
got driven onto people's land and just taken their animals, taken dogs. You know, and it's it's just awful. You open up the papers and every day there is something worse. Now it's footballers who, who Twitter abuse, racist, homophobic, ethnic abusing, everything. It's all in the papers. And then you've got somebody who appears on the television as part of Rogue Traders, who is a benefit fraudster. You've got a girl who works for Barclays Bank, who thieves £46,000 because she wants bigger boobs and fake hair, and she wants to go out and get drunk. I wanted to go straight to prison. Couldn't care less whether she's got a child, unfortunately. The moment you actually commit a crime, everything goes out the window. Everything goes out the window. You know what the consequences are. You commit a crime then you end up paying for it. It's as simple as that. I only text about three times a day, says Dee Dee. I hate people who rely, who reply in text talk with words like M8 and tomorrow, etc. I've, I have started using a few of those. See you tomorrow is C-U and then T-M-O-R-R-O-W. But I, I haven't done mate. That's M8, isn't it? I've never done that because I'd never call anybody mate. I mean, it's, it's just not, not in my vocabulary. All right, mate? No, does, it, that would never happen. I've never called anybody mate in my life, as far as I know. If I have, I apologise now. But uh, not my sort of thing. John Earl, thank you very much indeed. He sent me the Frank Matcham Society booklet, which has got the Hippodrome in it, which is uh, fantastic, because it's all open now. Thank you very much indeed. Very, very grateful. Very, very grateful. It's wonderful. I love stuff like that. So you're quite right. Posh paper, John. Posh paper. Uh, Jane Austen died on this day in 1817. She was only 41. They didn't live very long in those days. Uh, doctors were unable to diagnose her illness. She'd written that her skin had gone black and blue and every wrong colour. They now think she died from Addison's disease. Never even heard of it. But her skin obviously changed colour. 41 was, um, I suppose, uh, an age. In 64 AD, the Great Fire of Rome took place. Uh, this was during the reign of Nero. He played the liar, you remember. L-Y-R-E, and was 50 miles away at his villa in uh, Antium when he heard the news. As, as Rome burnt, he fiddled, as they say. The Cenotaph in London was unveiled in 1919, and in 1934 the Mersey Tunnel was formally opened. Apparently opened both ends, which was a little bit of a disappointment. And um, on this day last year, former News of the World reporter Sean Hoare, who once made phone-hacking allegations against the newspaper, was found dead at his home in Watford. Just some of the events which are there. Um, and also caravanning. It's back in fashion. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. What a worry. The drive is underway to ensure the nation's towers can handle their pride and... Yes, what are towers? Are they... Towers. Oh, right. Towers. Oh. No, I don't think that's spelt right either. I don't think it is. That's, that looks like... Well, it's tower. I read it as towers. Towers. I don't think there's such a word. Is there such a word as towers? Is it in the dictionary? Towers. I don't think so. But uh, they say that one in five Brits are planning a caravan or camping holiday this year. Towers. The nation's towers. I don't think there's such a word. I'm pretty certain there isn't. Pretty certain. I could be wrong, actually. Um, I, I speak, unfortunately, as somebody who came from a family where we did go on caravanning holidays. And the reason we went on caravanning holidays was the same as anybody in those days. Uh, it was cheap. It was very, very cheap because you could literally hook up the caravan. You put all your life inside it. We had a little Sprite caravan, which was very nice. We wanted a Musketeer, which was the bigger one, but we only ended up with a Sprite. And it slept four of us. It had a little toilet inside, an Elsan, and it had a gas cooker. And I remember 
you know, even on sort of, you know, cold days, you'd get up and you'd turn on the gas, which would heat up the caravan quite quickly, especially if it set fire to itself. And you had little little gas mantles inside. I loved it. I thought it was great. You, could, you know, you ended up on a site. Admittedly, we were towing our thing behind a Hillman Minx. And if you were going up some of these hills in Welsh Wales or down in Devon and Cornwall, everybody got stuck behind you. And everybody hated you. Everybody hated you. you could, they could, but unfortunately, they couldn't get past you. Other caravan owners would wave and flash their lights, and, and we'd wave out the window like complete dorks, I'm afraid. But that's what we did. And you'd pull onto the site, and then, you know, mum would say, right, you've got to level the caravan off, so you get the blocks, put them down, wind the wind the, uh, the stabilisers down, open the door, put the little step outside, then go inside. I could I could smell it now could tell you the smell inside the caravan you'd have the table at the end where we could have our dinner and then it folded down and the, the cushions came across and it made a double bed with a curtain across and my parents double bed folded down from the wall which meant that you couldn't go to the toilet once it was down so you had to kind of sort of make sure you'd been to toilet beforehand and also I never liked going to the toilet in the caravan because the walls were so thin I mean people could hear everything didn't like that idea at all but uh, used to love caravan it went all over the place never went abroad Never realised, you know, that it was it was really naff. But now it's making a comeback. And to be honest with you, I could live in a caravan again. Pegs, Lucky Heather, usual sort of things. I could, I could live in one because they do some quite posh ones. My former producer Rob, Uncle Rob, he he used to have a family caravan on a on a static site, and they loved it. But it it, it probably got too expensive after a while because you can only use them on static sites for so many months of the year, unless of course it's an illegal site, in which case you live there all the time and don't pay any tax and do a lot of tarmacking. But apart from that. Caravanning is making the comeback. And a lot of people, four out of ten of those surveyed who tow caravans, trailers or boats, admit they've had no training. No, you haven't. And the one thing that I discovered was, if you're going down the motorway and you've got a caravan, once it starts swaying, if you go too fast, the caravan sways from side to side. And sometimes, and you've seen it on the news as well, the caravan will literally overtake the car. It swings round and can whip the car back. It's a bit like the old waltzer. It's a bit like that. You put you, you put the brake on and it holds it back. You take the brake off and it shoots round. A bit like that with caravan. If you go too fast, it can become very, very dangerous. I think the best thing to do is Winnebago's. Winnebago's are those big American things, which is literally, it's the house on wheels. You drive it from inside. It's pretty cool. The British have got things like a transit van, which has got a body attached to it. I went down to a caravan firm years and years ago and they used to take little minivans and they would cut the top off and then put on an extra bit. And so it became like a caravan that you drove. It was a wee bit naff. You do see them generally driven by quite elderly people now. And there's not as many of them because caravanning is making a comeback. There's all sorts of caravan parks, static caravans parks. And people just like the idea, a bit like a snail, that you hitch your house up and off you toddle. And you can go anywhere and the kids like it. You meet other kids. And, and, it, and it was the great British holiday. If it's making a comeback... I'm quite thrilled, but I do think they should offer driving lessons because you can pass your test, you can go out on the road, hitch up a caravan, you can be out driving within five seconds. Nissan have had to speed up uh, after being tailgated. More than one in ten have had to brake heavily because if you brake heavily with it, you've got to, with a caravan, you've got to do it slowly because if you do it too quickly, back of the caravan shoots round again. But uh, I did love it. I did love it. And so now, as we tighten our belts, we're looking for holiday options closer to home. So you're going to see more caravans on British roads. I like to go down the road and try and work out. Holiday maker, traveller. Holiday maker, traveller. I do that. It's like a game. I play with myself. You know, if, if they're generally driven by a flatbed white truck, traveller. 
You know, that's how I work it out. If it's generally sort of there with the kids sitting in the back, you know, blowing bubbles out the window and singing E-I-Adio, We've Got a Van, you know, then I generally am thinking to myself, that's going to be a holiday maker. But as I say, if it's a flatbed truck and it's got some tarmacking equipment on the back, I'm going traveller. Different sorts of wagons as well. You get the little ones that we had, then you've got the slightly bigger ones, which people sort of live permanently in, almost. Sometimes. Not all the time, though. Quarter past five. News headlines with Eleanor Noakes. Police have charged the husband of one of the UK's... 7.3. London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. How is it possible that a couple can be stuck under a tunnel buried under tonnes and tonnes of earth and nobody finds them? Ten days after a landslide, they were reported missing... And the police looked, and the trees, and all this earth inside there, and nobody thought that there was a car. How on earth a car got in the middle of it in the first place, I've got no idea. I'm thinking, you know, maybe a bit of anky-panky or something like that. But they got buried under, under so much rubble that the top of the roof was all squashed in, and they died in the car. So they were effectively buried alive, and nobody found them. And the police said, well, we didn't, we didn't know that they were in there. And you have to sort of assume that maybe there's somebody could be in there, but there was so much rubble, it would have taken an awful lot of uh, equipment to try and get somebody out. In the same way, that we had that awful story on the programme yesterday about the father who they think murdered his three children. And all the papers today are saying he was such a good father. And you think, well, quite clearly not. Quite clearly not. Why do we say people was such a good father? You can actually take the lives of your children. I didn't realise. Somebody said yesterday, I said, why would somebody do that? And they said, but I th- thought the wife was going to leave him. I thought she'd had enough. And was moving on, and that's why. Because otherwise, if, if everything was fine in a, in a relationship, and Duncan was talking about marriages earlier on, sometimes people don't know. Sometimes you have these awful stories in the newspapers, and we report them on LBC, where, you know, a 14-year-old child has been bullied at school, and they've ended up hanging themselves, taking their own life, and the parents go, we had no idea. I don't think anybody knows. It, it comes back to the texting again. Nobody talks. Nobody says anything. How many children go to their parents now and tell them about something that's going on at school? How many times do you go back there and say, listen, this happened at school today? Used to happen all, every day. We used to get really annoyed. You'd come home and your mum would say, so what did you do at school today? <sighs> lessons. Yeah, but what, what lessons? Oh, you know, English. What else? And you'd sit there think, oh, I don't want to tell you this. Teenagers become quite bolshy when you start asking them questions. And then sometimes... You know, we all know teenagers who text their parents from upstairs for a drink. Mum, can I have a drink? You think, no, walk down the stairs. Come and get it yourself. God, my father would have gone up the wall. Luckily, in my, in my day, we didn't have mobile phones. With two tobacco tins and a piece of string. And there was no chance. If I'd said, if I'd shouted down the stairs, Mum, can I have a cup of tea up here? My father would have shouted, you're perfectly capable of walking down the stairs. Must be a generational thing. Young people today are quite lazy, aren't they? Really, they, 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 they don't actually want to do anything. But at some point in their life, they're going to have to do it. They're going to have to do it. Uh, I cringe when some people put kisses on their text. Says Maria. Uh, I mostly say texting makes it easier to say hard things, like cancelling, like cancelling. I'm going to cancel, and I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to see you today, but I'll give you a ring later. But I'm now texting you to tell you that I don't, because I can't be bothered to pick up the phone. Talking of love thy... <coughs> excuse me, love thy neighbour, says Joe. I used to watch that when I was young and Dixon of Doc Green in the days when you would actually do what the police would tell you. Policeman caught me smoking when I was 15. I actually listened to him and put it out. Wouldn't happen nowadays, would it? Oh, good Lord, no. No, you, would, no, you wouldn't find anything like that. that. That just... No, it wouldn't happen at all. And yet, blimey, if a policeman stopped you years ago... Hence Dixon of Doc Green was such a popular programme, because, uh, I mean, I think on one of them, 
there was some kid, and uh, he he came over as the he was like the the, the policeman, not not the village policeman, the policeman from your road. And it would be all sorts of stuff like, you know, young Tommy Dibbins was caught pinching apples from the local orchard. He won't be doing that again. Evening all. And, then, and, he'd, and he'd say goodnight. And it was very good. It was very good. It was really good stuff. It was, it was always pleasing to watch people having a bit of respect for police officers. You know, people would run up to them and go, can you help me please, Mr Policeman? And they would. Nowadays you can't find them. They're all in cars. You come round Leicester Square in the morning. I mean, you could commit crime round here. It would take a good ten minutes before the police arrived. Because I've been here for the last week and I've seen no police officers at all. Apart from the one that we did stand there watching, who was watching the bloke who was using the park as a toilet and never did a thing. I should have actually gone up to him with a microphone and gone, is it quite normal to allow people to, uh, to urinate in Leicester Square? And just see what he would have said. Or feeling that, produce a film crew. And go, You've just what, we, we, we've just filmed you watching this. Why, why are you not doing anything about it? We've just spent £18 million doing this square up. And you're standing here watching this, this flagrant abuse. Somebody's climbed in over it. Why are they not under arrest? Drive them mad, wouldn't it? Uh, my lady friend, Angie, has taken her kids on holiday to Zante. And we shall text each other as it will cost her if she rang me. We've been te- Well, she's on holiday. Why do you have to text? You know, I always think if, if somebody's on holiday, let them have a holiday. You know, the fact that you've got to keep talking to somebody while they're on holiday. Where are you? We're on the beach. Can you hear this? Look. Splash, 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 splash. Look. We're just about to make a cut. The kids are making a castle. Look. Whoa. It's great. Wait a minute. I'll text you a picture of it. And then you text the picture. We've been texting each other for three years since she first gave me her mobile number through work. She lives in Telford and I live in London, says Jeff. We rang each other once a week initially, but found texting easier. We've yet to meet... Dear God, now this is a bit worrying, isn't it? Although I have met her son Luke for the day when he visited London and she was worried he might get lost. Not once did we phone each other that day. Strange. Texting has become our life, unfortunately. Well, it means that we don't have conversation. It means that that you have no conversation. The only conversation you have is texting. Texting becomes the new chat, 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 chat. Whereas in my day, it was chat, 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 and couldn't do texting because we didn't know how to spell. Nowadays, people still do texting and they still can't spell, even though they've got spell check. But we've lost the art of conversation. So when you say your lady friend Angie, see, I'm, I'm imagined romantic, but of course, obviously not. She lives in Telford, God's own place. See, Telford's quite nice, but you've got no, no conversation. It's easier to text, isn't it? it? It takes away anything, because you can be anybody if you're, if you're texting. If you're actually having a conversation, then people's inabilities show up through conversation. The fact that most, most people are inarticulate. Most people cannot hold a conversation together because they find it very difficult. And sometimes they sit there and they think, I've got nothing to talk about. And this is somebody I'm, I want to go out with, but I've got nothing to talk to. But yeah, I've got loads of things to say on text. At least when we had CB radio, people did chat because it was all chatting. Now we've got texting on the phone. Every kid I know texts. Everybody texts. I mean, how many... T- you sit on the train. You cannot move on a train or a bus in the morning, without people sitting there looking at their phones. If you look at your phone once, it, sometimes the, a phone will ring, won't it, on the train, and you look around and four people will, will pick up their phone and look at it and think, was that my phone? Because it sounded like my phone. I mean, some people, I find it the rudest, is when you're going out for dinner with somebody and they start texting while you're having dinner. I mean, that is just, that's just the rudest thing ever. You're sitting there having dinner, you know, chatting, and all of a sudden they, they decide they, they don't want to talk to you, they want to start texting, and you think, I think I'd rather eat with somebody else. It's just the height of rudeness. Some people can't go two minutes without texting somebody, and you think, surely, surely you, you've been taught some manners. 
You know, it'd be like, you know, you're, you're having dinner with your parents, all of a sudden your mother gets up and goes, I'll just go make a phone call. You get, Mum, we're having dinner. Yeah, you enjoy it. I'll just make a phone call. And goes and sits there. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, it's dreadful today, the weather. Oh, marvellous. Uh, eggs are up in price again. It's awful. I bought a Battenberg cake, yeah. <gasps> Might do some gardening later on. Yeah, yeah. No, the kids are eating supper at the moment. Yeah, and I've got nothing to say to them. And that's how it works now. So we all text, but we don't... And some of you seem to send hundreds of texts in the course of a week. I didn't realise that, that it, it would be possible to actually uh, to actually do that. I really didn't know. I really didn't know. But uh, but you're managing it. Texting is the new thing. I prefer to text Steve, says Kevin. It gives me a chance to check what I've written, and I can change it before, hi- before hitting the send button. Some texts that I send have been rejigged a dozen times. The trouble is I like to get it right. So conversations can be a minefield. I text about a dozen times a day, but I'm on pay-as-you-go, so it's not cheap. <laughs> yes, you can get a contract, though, can't you? A contract. Uh, William says Roy Cropper says it all, especially wound up Haley became a right cropper. Yes, it's just so silly, isn't it? It's so, so silly. And uh, I've stayed in the Salamis Bay Hotel, Steve. It's like the Dorchester. Huge casino. I won £600. It's in Cyprus, not Spain. Well, it's Farmagusta, says John. That's where it is. It's Farmagusta. Cyprus, not Spain. Did I say Spain? I was talking about the television programmes in the hospital where they don't speak English. But uh, Farmagusta. Actually, a lot of people are going to Greece and Cyprus, aren't they? It's very popular at the moment. Texting, apparently, makes us misuse the English language. Taking shortcuts with words, says Eileen. I'm very old. I do text quite a lot, but prefer phoning. You see? Oh, I told you, it's older people. Older people. Um, Paula says, you mentioning about your memories, about your caravanning holidays has just brought back the most wonderful caravanning memories ever for me the best and most special times well it's the only time you uh you you ever went out towers t-o-w dash e-r-s hyphen are people who tow trailers that's why they got it wrong so towers are the uh are the tall things and towers t-o-w hyphen e-r-s are people who tow trailers that's why they got it wrong so it's towers with the hyphen okay uh, Dave says, you'll find the police in the Wild Bean M&S garages getting their coffee and donuts." <laughs> it is true. Wendy in Farnborough says, it's cheaper to text than to phone someone. No, but it's not as personal. Isn't it nice to hear somebody's voice? I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps you don't think it is. Perhaps you seem to think that, you know, it's the way for... I mean, we do get thousands of texts at LBC. I mean, thousands of texts, which means that people hide behind texts. So when you go to phone them, it turns out, of course, they're not who they say they are. You know, you phone somebody, you think, oh, it's, it's going to be so-and-so, and, and you know it's not. Because people go, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 23 and beautiful and blonde. That's what I always write. And, uh, and then people go, no, you're not. You're fat and over 40. No, I'm not. I'm very young. Uh, very young indeed. <laughs> so that's why. So, it, so texting is, is, the way, is the way forward. Is the way forward because it's, uh, it's cheaper. You don't have to have a conversation with somebody and you can cancel them. And it's very, very easy to cancel somebody. If, you, if you've got a, a date for, for coffee or for tea and you don't fancy taking... You know, because something better comes up. That's generally what it is. You, you get to sort of lunchtime and you think, I can't be bothered to go out with this person. I don't... Oh, I'm thinking, oh, how can I... I can't, can't do the illness thing. I can't do illness. I can't feign hospital because people would know about that. I'll just tell them I can't make it. And you hope that they don't then phone you. Because what you have to do is, if, if, you, if you send somebody a text saying, I'm terribly sorry, but I can't make lunch today, sometimes your phone rings and it's them. And you think, I can't answer it. 
because I've just sent them a text saying I'm not coming for lunch. So I then drop it to the answer phone and immediately send them a text saying, sorry, really tied up at the moment. Which I'm sure they don't believe either, actually. If I'm rubbish at telling lies. I don't know why I just don't tell people. I don't want to go to lunch with you. It's as simple as that. Tea at the Dorchester, of course. Yes, I'm absolutely up for all the time. 84850, uk. Um... You chatter a lot on mobile, apparently, and hence waste the productive hours of the day. You save time just texting till you're less busy. And I thought texting was very time-consuming. Because you have... I mean, I've seen some people texting. Now, there's obviously an art to doing texting, and I haven't achieved it, which is where you text with your two thumbs. No. I just do it with with one thumb and a finger, and that's it. I cannot do two... I mean, that... I watch people doing it. I've got godchildren who can do it from the age of seven... And you sit there and you think... In fact, I didn't appreciate how clever it was. So I watched somebody the other day and I think, you must make some really bad mistakes when you're doing it. I make mistakes just doing my thumb. But I think I, I need to enlarge the keyboard because it's the only way we're going to get by without having to sort of all these stupid things in. So, uh, texting the way forward, 84850. And caravanning. Are you one of those who's decided to take up the art of the caravan? The little house that you tow behind you and it's the, the cheap holiday for the summer. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. I just noticed, actually, on these, uh, the carry-ons coming to television in our house, this DVD, which has got uh, Charles Hawtrey, Hattie Jakes, Joan Sims, Norman Rossington, uh, and also, I believe, Roy Hard and Derek Guiler making guest appearances. This is the only three surviving episodes from a show from Donkey's years ago. Donkey's years ago. There were 39, but uh, unseen, they say, for over 50 years. Christ, is it really over 50? Oh, it doesn't even seem possible, does it, really? And so uh, that's all that's left. Our house, three surviving episodes. Um, I do feel sorry for police who've got an address wrong. It does happen occasionally. And uh, they, they, they got it wrong twice. First of all, they smashed their way into the homes of grandparents Michael and Teresa Brown and arrested their two innocent sons. After realising their blunder... Red-faced officers rammed their way into the house next door in Bristol, only to discover the blameless residents were actually on holiday. Officers finally found their suspect when a man popped his head out of a window at a house painted bright yellow two doors down and told them they might be looking for him. Do worry about things like that. Terribly sorry we just smashed your door in. We shall come back and, uh, and sort it all out for you. Uh, have you been watching Jesus Christ Superstar? Nathan and Ealing asks. Uh, the contestants are not doing the Lord proud. They're terrible, no talent at all. Well, th- there's a story in one of the papers today, and um, I was going to save it for the uh, for the free podcast a little bit later on. And it was to do with people auditioning for a singing show on television. And I think it might have been another one of these, these X-Factor-type programmes. And apparently they've already uh, ditched loads and loads of people out of it. I think 60 people, because they said they can't sing. So obviously people, for some reason, you see them being interviewed on these programmes and, and they start off by, by chatting away saying, oh yes, I'm a, I'm a singer and I'm this and that. And then they get out there and you suddenly realise that they, they, they can't sing for toffee. They absolutely are tone deaf. Which, I mean, I find mildly amusing. But at the same time, I can't help feeling it's a bit of a waste of television. John in Hounslow has recommended Train of Events, which is a great Jack Warner film. I don't know that one, but it's it's uh, it's worth investigating. A Jack Warner film, which is good. Uh, more in the papers today. 
on uh, Dan Pentiado, the rogue trader star, pitched up in court the other day on the back of a motorcycle with a blacked-out helmet, but uh, not blacked out now. He's in prison. He's there for 12 weeks because he's a benefit fraudster. Disgraceful, really. But uh, he won't be appearing on rogue traders ever again, which is hardly surprising. Hardly surprising. Uh, other stories. All oh, the some blo- don't you ever don't you ever wish it could be you? This is an online punter who scooped the biggest win in the history of Ladbrokes bookmakers. He uh, he had a twenty five piece spin in one of these internet casinos. How much did he win? Two point six million for twenty five pence. Now that's what I call a result because I see these internet casinos on the television in the early hours of the morning, and I don't like them. And I'm really, I'm really not a fan of internet casino. I like to better see things properly. And on this particular one, they go, and since the, the start of the year, we've given away £111 million. I'm thinking, what, there's that many dim people are playing on, an in- an, on a virtual casino, not even a real casino. If you're going to go to a real casino, go to Vegas. If you want to see what real casinos look like, I mean, it'll just blow your socks off. Or failing that, go and have a look at the Hippodrome. That's now opened, and uh, that's, that, that's quite something. That really is quite something. I think Frank Matcham would be fairly pleased with the way things had, uh, had turned out. I can't find the story about how many people were ditched from this TV programme, but I know it was an awful lot. I'm pretty certain it was something like 60 people were, were kicked off it, even before the programme started filming, because they're saying, I'm terribly sorry, but you you can't sing. They go... And then they start being abusive, which is always very good. Apparently, uh, texting using two thumbs if you have a BlackBerry in your index finger if you use an iPhone. There you go. Uh, Super fast texting. Have a good day. Kiss. I wouldn't actually kiss you in person. No, I mean, to, to be honest with you, we only put kisses on if you would kiss somebody in real life. If you wouldn't kiss somebody in real life, you mustn't put uh, kisses on. Uh, Marty wants to know if I've got any Olympic tickets. No. I'm going to be watching it on the television, like everybody else, because that gives you a much better view of everything. You'll better see it all. I should be watching. I'm, I'm, I'm looking out for the 1,500 metres, the cycling and, uh, and the swimming, or the diving. I'm hoping that Tom Daly's going to do it for us. I'm really hoping. Apparently he is rehearsing even as we speak, so my fingers are crossed for that one. But uh, I don't have any... I didn't apply for tickets for anything at all. So I wasn't, uh, I wasn't remotely interested. Brian is off to pool for the day, as in Brian Pool and the Tremolo, says Noreen. Hope the rain stays away. Sadly not. I'm afraid I'm the prophet of doom again. It's more rain. And uh, get well soon to Carol, lovely friend, big fan of yours. She's been poorly of late. And who do you think, she says, will be the last runner with the Olympic torch to run into the stadium with it? it, 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 it is it MI5? Daphne would say. I don't know. I don't know who the... Do you think it's going to be Beckham? Do you think they're going to give it to Beckham? I do hope not. I don't think we should pander any more to this. I don't think. Lynn says, I usually text for directions or emergencies, except you, of course, not for conversation. The most bizarre thing I saw were two young girls out walking, three abreast. Oh, sorry, young girls, not two of them, uh, saying nothing to each other, but each was texting somebody else. They don't have anything to say to each other, young people nowadays. It's all texting. Dave says, I was invited to a girlfriend's company Christmas dinner at the Dorchester. I never got invited again. I got bored. I started a food fight. You're a little bit common, I think, Dave, aren't you? That's why I wouldn't want you anywhere near anything at all, I'm afraid. Uh, Farmer Gusta. Steve is in the Turkish-occupied part of Cyprus. They have different regulations, just for info. Well, put it this way, quite clearly, a woman can die through drinking bleach in a hotel because it was left there by the cleaner and nobody gets prosecuted. That's what I find absolutely amazing. I mean, would you not think 
that the uh, that the person who left the water in the hotel, the cleaner, would be prosecuted. I mean, I, I, just, I just find it absolutely unbelievable. I just like, you know, unbelievable. Uh, I like the idea of Spock from Star Trek texting Enterprise on those snazzy flip-top communicators. Beam me up, Scotty. Well, they, they weren't just communicators. They were things that you could go, and you disappeared. Don't you ever want, if ever they bring that in, I'd pay for that. I would pay for that quite definitely, quite definitely. A lot of people talking about uh, about texting. And uh, via another text, I gave myself a makeover last week. New auburn hair colour, says Diana in Richmond. New makeup and lipstick, all costing a grand total of five quid. I mixed hair colours from Poundland, bought foundation from Superdrug, pound range and reduced price. L'Oreal lippies, two for 99p. If I could be bothered to get out of bed, switch on my desktop, I'd send you a photo. Oh, this isn't it. This is, if you're in bed and you're comfy, but what's the point of getting out of bed? I woke up about an hour and a half, two hours before the alarms went off this morning, and I lay there thinking, oh, I'll t- when the alarms go off, I'm going to turn them off and have five minutes. And then I thought, no, I'm not going to risk that. That's too dangerous, just in case I, uh, I oversleep. So I, I didn't want to do that at all. I always, I always panic over that in the morning, like most of you would, I should imagine. Uh, on the subject of texting, Bob says, I text my brother and sister you know, at good morning every day when I'm up to listen to you and they text me back when they get up. It assures we make some sort of contact. Yes, I mean, you, but you do that, don't you, just to make sure. But uh, the worst thing for me is I will text, you know, a couple of friends of mine. If they don't respond immediately, I'll start panicking, thinking, where are they? Where are they? What's that? Have they had an accident? Or sometimes they go, oh, so I didn't see, I didn't see your message for two days. You think, two days? Two days? I mean, that dry- I said, listen... I, I, you know, I could be dead or you could be dead. And I thought, and so they, <laughs> he said to me the other day, my brother, he said, well, he said, if you were dead, you wouldn't be texting, would you? I thought, well, I might have texted and then died. You never know. I disagree about superstars, says Bridget. Some very strong singers, Nathan, Rory and Roger are my favourites. I'll be happy to see any of them in the role when I see the show at the O2. I don't think any of them will get it. At the moment, they, 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 they haven't, they're nowhere near deciding, are they? Nowhere near deciding. I don't think any of these people have ever seen the show. I saw it when it first opened. I was one of the first people in to see it. Uh, one here that says, I used to have a six-birth static... I'm going to be ill. A six-birth static caravan at Whitstable, but it got totally damaged as it turned upended in a terrible October storm over 27 years ago. Luckily, my daughter and myself were not in it as the season had ended. Otherwise, we could have been hurt. A six-birth caravan. God, that's a house. That's a house. A six-birth static. I've seen them on some of the sites. I think, actually, the girl out of EastEnders... Has got one. Who's the one with the with the red hair? Who's the red-haired girl? Bianca. Bianca. I think her and her mum have got a static caravan somewhere. I'm pretty certain I've seen a television programme with them going down there. Uncle Rob used to have one. And, and quite a number of people. And I've looked at them. I thought, do I want a static caravan? Or would I want a caravan parked in... I always wanted an original gypsy caravan. Not a traveller caravan. Patsy Palmer, yeah. she's She's got a caravan on a site. I think she takes the kids down there. And I've always wanted one of those old gypsy caravans pulled by a horse, but it would have to be static in an orchard. I've got this thing about being an orchard. Ever since years and years ago, we actually had a caravan and we went onto this site and it was all trees and it was all apple trees and we parked under apple trees. And there's something nice because you manoeuvre the caravan round and then you put blocks under it. Oh, it was great fun, honestly. I mean, it was really just good fun. And then your mum would put, put the kettle on. Right, you have to go and, Can you go and fill up the water thing? So you'd have to traipse over to the toilet block, fill up the big plastic thing, take it back, fill up the kettle, and then your mum would make a cup of, cup of tea, I think. I don't think we ever had coffee. 
I think coffee was considered a bit rich. So we had we had tea, and then invariably you'd open up the cupboard, and what would we have? Soup. Heinz tomato soup. So we'd have some bread and butter, some Heinz tomato soup, and, do you know, we'd be quite happy with that, and a yoghurt. How times have changed, I'm afraid. <laughs> How times have changed. I'm now sort of, you know, sprouts and steak and stuff like that. Papa, uh, papa, another one here, which has just popped in. Loads of these hanging around this morning. Loads of texts and emails. The last surviving carry-on TV shows. Have they checked Bob Monkhouse's archive? You mentioned a while ago because he taped everything. Well, these ones are more than fifty years ago, and uh, they just didn't survive. Uh, I don't know what's happened to all of Bob's stuff. It'll be around there somewhere, I should imagine, which is quite nice. But again, the subject of texting. And the fact that most of you think it's terribly rude if you're having dinner with somebody and they start texting. Or fact, I find somebody answering the phone during dinner rude. You know, if you're going out for dinner with somebody, whether it's a date or whether it's just social and the phone rings, what could be so important? Are you telling me that you're out for dinner with me and that phone call is more important than me? Well, I tell you what, why don't you go and have dinner with them? I'd do that. I'd just walk out. I wouldn't expect any friends of mine to sort of sit there answering a telephone while you're having dinner with them. How rude would that be? Unless, of course, it's to tell you that somebody's died. That would be different. Uh, Diana's new hairdo is on your Facebook page, Steve. Takes years off her. A lot of people telling me about the uh, the two-thumb texting, which I've seen people doing, but I, I couldn't do it, I'm afraid. And uh, will you be launching a bank account, ladies and gentlemen, with Marks & Spencers? Apparently, they're going to charge customers a monthly fee of up to £20 in return for transparent terms and a range of in-store perks. The Bank of Marks and Spencers. Not for me, I'm afraid. Quarter to six. These headlines this Wednesday morning with Eleanor Noakes. The husband of one of the UK's richest women has been charged with... Am I a member of the, in, of the Olympic family? I have to now check, actually, am I a member of the... I have to check with Andy McCall whether I'm a member of the Olympic family. Because this means if, if you are, you can use the bus lane. You can use the special Olympic lane. And the one in Egham comes into force this morning. And that's from the Egham roundabout to the Runnymede. It's only a very short stretch of road from the Egham roundabout to the Runnymede roundabout. And I do love Runnymede, but just make sure. But the rest of them you, you can use. Oh, and you can't, you can't use it on the M4, but you knew that anyway. But the rest of them you can use all the time. It's great coming in on the Westway because loads of people, foreign tourists and things like that, they don't know you can use it even though there are big signs up saying you can use all these things. I mean, I, 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 I pootled down so fast the other day. In fact, at one point, I was the only one in the lane. I looked behind me, there was nobody, and there was nobody in front of me. So I put my foot down, 20 miles an hour, no stopping me. It's great. But just remember that from the 25th, they're all in operation and they'll be looking for serious fines, I'm afraid. I, I, I'm standing on the tube station the other day because I got out of here. I was so annoyed. I'd, I'd, I'd stay, but I was chatting for a little bit, and then I got outside just to watch one bus sail around the corner. And just as I got near the other bus stop, the other bus that I get sailed around the corner. So I missed both of them, so I had to get the tube. So I'm standing on the tube station, and, uh, and there's a bloke next to me, and he went, Morning, Mr. Allen. I thought, Oh, God, it's like being stalked. It really is. It's awful. And his name's Peter. Because I was complaining to him I'd missed out on my bacon roll. Because normally, if I actually get, get the, the bus, I can get it drops me at the right place to get the bacon roll. And there's always a lady there every day who goes to me, what are we having today? And I go, bacon roll. Or a sausage roll or something like Not sausage roll, but a Cumberland sausage in a roll. And uh, he says, keep up the great job getting Londoners to work with a smile. So I hope it'll be the same when we go through for the Olympics. That'll be nice. I, I mentioned earlier on, nice to see you as well, young man. So that's Peter. 
and uh, about the Marks and Spencers accounts. Now, I mean, I'm I'm constantly being asked in place. Do you have a a Boots credit card? No, I haven't. You know, if if, if Goods the chemist did one, then I'd I'd have one. But I don't want any I don't want any more cards in my wallet. Thank you very much indeed. I'm quite happy with my Mastercard and my Visa debit. Uh, that's all I need. I don't want anything else. So now that Marks and Spencers have announced that you can pre-register for the new M&S premium current account, which has a £500 overdraft, fatal as far as I'm concerned, with the first £100 interest-free before the launch in October. They plan to open 50 bank branches in the next two years, and they say that it'll be new-fashioned banking, with opening hours mirroring those in store, meaning seven-day-a-week banking. Unveiling details of the accounts... It said customers will be alerted by text when they approach their overdraft limit and will not be charged for using MS bank debit cards in ATM abroad. Well, you're not charged for using them now anyway, are you, ATM? Oh, yes, you are, actually. In some branch, you've got to be careful where you use them abroad. But uh, I think, you know, see, that's the thing that they're going to use to sort of reel you in. We're going to give you £500 overdraft. In other words, automatically there's £500 on your account. I mean, you know, some people will not be able to, you know, they, they won't be able to resist that. That'll be the tempter that gets them in, an automatic £500 overdraft. And the first £100 is interest-free. So, you see, for some, they'll be going, oh, we'll have that. And we won't, won't bother paying. Morning, Dave. Morning, Treacle. Morning, uh, don't die. Of course, I know you'd have a caravan. You're bound to have had them, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Good truth. Well, well my, granddad, my granddad was the first one to get one. It, oh. it was an eight-birth uh, caravan. Eight-birth? Really yeah, eight berth, and there was six of us in there. Wow. But we used to go down Friday night till Sunday. Um, it was on a place called All Wallows, um, right. which was didn't have an awful lot there. It had one sort of clubhouse, but it, mm. we, we had great times, absolute great times. I when we were kids, yeah. we used to stay there for the six weeks holiday. Um, you'd take it in turns. When we was a bit older, we'd take it in turns. Like so-and-so's mum's there, so mm. she'd look after us. Um, so you'd have a week look at being looked after by them, and then so and so's mum would have another week, so she'd look after you. Um, but it, it was great, great fun, absolute mm. great fun. There was you a lot, knew the a lot kids of, on the site, didn't you? Well, there was a lot of Bermondsey people, there was a lot of Eastenders there. I mean, it, it, it was a, a great atmosphere. Mm. Um, and then it all sort of changed when they brought in the, the, um, Concrete, they all had to go on concrete slabs. Mm. Then they all had to be electric. And the atmosphere changed, mm. you know, because you got people trying to compete with each other. They, they'd have a bigger veranda built around the side of the caravan yes. and, yeah. and all this sort of business, you know. When I bought, when I had mine, I had a 10 berth, it had a shower, uh, toilet in there, everything. It was like home from home. Microwaves, yeah. the, you know, big TV, the, the lot. It was... Um, but we had great fun down there. I used to have horse riding. Um, I finished up with a horse of my own down there. It, it, it was a great, great fun, great time. I loved it because it was. We didn't do holidays abroad, so you'd in our case we hitched up the. Ca- I mean, I mean, yours sounds like a palace compared to our little dump of a thing. <laughs> I mean, ours. I mean, it was there was just not enough room to swing the cat. Luckily, we never took the cat because we couldn't have swung <laughs> it anyway. And, and you'd get there and you had your little toilet which you had to empty in the toilet block. Yeah, and then I, normally I, on a Friday night they'd have a soup and a bingo night or something like that, and I loved it. Yeah. Loved I, can it. Re- I can remember my granddad watching guys come on with their caravans and the 
the trailers and that, you know, and setting them all up. And he, he'd sit in his big caravan saying, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh, I couldn't mess about like that, you know. They'd turn up 10 o'clock at night, it'd be pouring the rain, mm. and there they are out there jacking it up and levelling it off and everything, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we had, we had really good times, Danny, really good times. There was, a, there was a great programme, Dave, on the television some time ago, and it was a couple who'd gone over to France and they'd bought a caravan site. And for anybody who's... I mean, if you've never caravaned, you've got no idea what it was like. I promise you, it it was the best time. It was. It was like packing up your house, or if you were on a static site, packing everything up, going down there, opening up the caravan. It was, it was, it was a bit of an adventure. For kids, it was an adventure. But this couple had bought a caravan site. And uh, they brought lots of new caravans in, and it was all set in an orchard, and they had a swimming pool. And I thought, you know, if ever you were going to do a job, that one looked... The, you know, all right, when it rains, not much fun. But people who go caravanning aren't bothered by rain. Like people who go camping for holiday, they're not bothered by rain. It rains, you put a Mac on. You know, you didn't see people walking around with umbrellas. People had Macs, you know, with hoods on. And you went out there and you went to the toilet block. It is a bit like carry-on camping. It was a bit like that. And every time I watch that film, and I keep meaning to talk to Barbara about it, because I know they filmed it in the middle of winter, and the grass was sprayed green. So, in fact, they all froze to death out there, and yet they had to pretend it was summer but it just looked wonderful. It was it was just great, great memories of, of holidays that you could have. And, and you could go anywhere in the country. We would sort of map it all out. My dad would say, right, we're going to go to here. We're going to go to Mevagissi in Cornwall. Or we're going to go to Wales or do something like that. Wales was, was, was lovely. But uh, it was Welsh Wales. A lot of people spoke like that. And, uh, but I always remember there used to be a bingo night with soup. And the soup was never great soup. But we just loved it because the kids could play. If you were very lucky and you had a big enough caravan, you could take your bikes and everything. Unfortunately, we, we didn't take... But we weren't rich enough to, <laughs> to take our bikes. I've got a poor family. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying we were that poor, but we used to buy sliced bread and then slice it. You know, we were the only ones who used to have pleats in our pants and stuff like that. And we didn't actually have a swing in the garden. My mother put a chair down and would run backwards and forwards, saying, it looks a bit like this, dear. And so we, we, we never had any of those things which other kids had. But we did have caravanning. And we loved it. We really, really loved it. You take a pack of cards away in caravan and a tin of buttons so you could play pontoon. You could sit there happy. It didn't matter if the rain lashed down. Some people were posh, as Dave was saying. People who put balconies round, and we knew people had caravans. You could clip an awning in and put the awning around, so it gave you an extra room where you could sort of cook outside. We weren't, we weren't rich like. We didn't have anything like that. In fact, how our, how our caravan ever made it round some of the places, God alone knows, but it did. Anyway, more of your uh, memories a little bit later on. Happy birthday to Erica. Well, that's from uh, somebody called uh, Fidelma, who says, we love your show very much. That's all we need to hear. Just just podcast. I don't ask for anything else apart from podcasting and telling your friends. And that, uh, you know, as long as it pushes up the figures and we get you downloading. And with the Olympics coming up as well, because I'm going to be following it quite... I know you think to yourself, Steve Allen being positive about the Olympics, but I'm, I'm about the only one. I'm the only person... I'm, I'm really quite looking forward to it. Provided, as soon as we get our first gold medal, or any medal is the sooner I'll be jumping up and down like sort of an animated budgie, because that'll be the kind of thing that will definitely get me going. If you're thinking about a Marks and Spencer's account, do let me know. £20 with a monthly fee, but you're going to get the £500 overdraft. You'll also get uh, vouchers for the M&S Cafe, travel insurance, loyalty points on debit cards, and 12 vouchers for 20% off M&S shopping in the first year. The premium account without insurance is 15 quid a month, and comes with similar banking and rewards and the potential to gain more than £300 worth of annual benefits. They're all doing it, aren't they? I don't think I get any benefits with my bank whatsoever. 
I don't, I don't, and I don't, I don't have anything to pay, I don't think. It might be six quid a month or something. And for that, I've got no idea. I just remember seeing a charge on there for six pounds for something. It might be for setting up a particular account, I don't know. But the M&S one, I don't know, in the light of M&S profits dropping off and people saying, you know, the quality has dropped off, can we really trust them for banking? I'm not sure. I'd have to think about that very, very carefully, with or without the benefits that they're offering, including the £500 overdraft with the first £100 interest-free. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk or 0845 6060 973. News at 6 is next. On FM, on Lallon. I knew we'd find loads of you had, uh, who had caravans all over the place. You just sound like a caravan audience. I loved it. We absolutely loved it because we didn't, we didn't do holidays in Spain. You know why? We didn't do that, that foreign food. We didn't do foreign food. I mean, we, we, we didn't have any idea about foreign food. I was still around. No, I mean, a, a spaghetti we didn't think was foreign food. We thought that was sort of British, I think. Spaghetti. I remember the very first Chinese restaurant that I went into. Chinese food. We had the English menu, of course. And that was exotic. Indian food I never had till I moved to Twickenham. Because Indian restaurants just weren't around. And a friend of mine said, should we go and have some Indian food? I went... Indian food, thinking, what the dickens do they do? And, of course, all, all you think is it's going to be really spicy. And strangely enough, now I'm diabetic. I can't have any Indian food at all. I can only have little bits of it. As long as it doesn't come in a sauce, I'm fine. But uh, it, was, it, it, it was all novel. It was all novel. The, the rest of the food that we ate in the caravan, I can't tell you. I think we did have bacon butties in the morning. I think we definitely had bacon butties, because we, we didn't have an oven. Well, yeah, we did have a little oven, but it was definitely the gas hob and a little tiny sink. Oh, it was fabulous. Absolutely fantastic. Um, I have a new static caravan in Norfolk, says Martin. It's got a wall-mounted LCD, 40-inch TV, two bathrooms, three bedrooms, washing machine, dishwasher and full central heating. Overlooks a golf course and the sea. How lovely. Uh, I went in uh, one of the Smarts, you know, Billy Smarts, the circus people. They had a £150,000 trailer, which had what they call pull-outs. Only this was automatic, which meant that the two side bits moved out and the back bit moved out as well. And that had... That had everything. It had a dishwasher and a washing machine, and it was all... It was fitted out in Spain. Spain. It was very, very nice. Uh, you saying that you would be offended if a friend took a call while at lunch with yourself, but then it would be OK if someone had died. Wouldn't that person have to answer the phone at the table to find it out? Probably, John and Mez. But to be honest with you, I mean, I, I just wouldn't answer a phone at the table. Somebody, Anyway, somebody would send you a text on that, wouldn't they? They wouldn't actually say, by the way, Hiya, how are you? Enid's just died. Thank you, bye. <laughs> I just wonder about that. I'm reliably informed there's going to be a story coming out about Aoife Rousing. Um, I have it on very good authority that the Mail are going to be doing a story about Aoife Rousing, which is coming out at the moment, just in the light of uh, her husband charged with preventing a lawful and decent burial of his wife. And that, I think, will be coming out in the Mail, I think, this week. I'm pretty certain. I, I, I only heard about it yesterday. A friend of mine said that he'd bumped into somebody in a pub, and uh, it's a very, very good source, and said that there's going to be a story coming out. I thought, well, of course there is. She's a very famous person. Uh, Auntie Enid is a member of the Olympic family, says Martin. Oh, if only, bless her heart. She has memories. Lynn says, uh, our camping and caravan holidays were the best. Dad would make breakfast. Mum loved his dinners. We kids made up games. A lovely family time, all captured on Dad's box brownie. It was, it, do you know, it just seemed good. But looking at this, this uh, caravan site in France, and they had, a, they had to bring people in because they were in various brochures. And I think the, the, the Germans and the Dutch 
were very particular. So if you went in one of their brochures, they had to come down and inspect the toilet block and inspect the showers. Because there's no point in getting to a caravan site. The Germans demand quite high standards. The Brits, unfortunately, aren't as demanding, as you will discover when you go to German hotels. You can always spot the German hotels in Spain and places like that because they're run with military discipline. And no matter what time you get up in the morning, you cannot beat the Germans. We used to have this joke, didn't we, that they were out there with their towels on the sun lounges and books. I mean, no matter what time I got up in the morning, you'd look out the window and you'd go, they've been up before me. And they would turn up for breakfast immaculately coiffured. It was just the men. Uh, the women, you know, with the gold sandals, a little bit Welsh, but uh, anyway. And, and they'd be there, the rest of us, looking like dogs' dinners, you know, the dark glasses, baseball caps on. Creased old T-shirt and flip-flops. Never a good British look, I think. Um, I'm on the 5.30 shift at XL for the Olympics from next week, and no tubes, says Debbie. Over two hours on night buses could take less than one. Just what was their bonus for? But at least you can keep me company for part of the way. I should think so, too. Marion says, when I was a child, we used to have two lovely caravan holidays on the south coast. Mum, Dad, me and three sisters. Uh Pevensey Bay, Littlehampton, Bognor Regis. I remember going to Littlehampton and Bognor Regis. The hired caravans were quite basic, but we loved it. Happy days and happy memories. Love to Jackie, Paul and the Ducklings. It's amazing how many of you have these uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic things. Uh, Stephen Twickham says, your travel colleague says the Olympic lanes are now in operation, but you're saying not till the 25th. No, he's not saying they're in operation. You're quite clearly not listening properly. I cannot help it if you're partly deaf. What he's saying is the M4 and the Egham one are out. OK, you can use all the other ones. OK, so he's not saying the Olympic lanes are now in operation. OK, he's never said it. He wouldn't say it because it's not true. You can drive in all the Olympic lanes, as all the signs are telling you out there. But I wouldn't worry because you probably don't drive anyway, so it doesn't make any difference. There aren't any round your way, so don't worry about things like that. Uh, Rosie says, my brother and I had a beautiful Romany gypsy caravan in our orchard when we were young. It was our outdoor den, and we had a wind-up gramophone in it. The ones where you had a little tin of needles, and we had a commode. Happy memories. We didn't know at the time. It turns out that it was the spot where the Romans landed in Fishbourne, and our house was over what would have been the south wing of a Roman palace. Well, I don't think there was ever such a thing as a Roman palace. They didn't have palaces in, in Roman times. But uh, they were certainly big houses. That's why in Turkey they've got uh, lots and lots of them. My sister and brother-in-law have got a six-berth static caravan down at the New Forest near Lindhurst. That's very pretty down there. Admittedly, you can only use it March to October each year, but it's lovely inside, just like a show home. A couple of bedrooms and a veranda, but it does get noisy with the rain, but great for walks and nature and days out. Lindhurst is beautiful. And also, I'll tell you the other place at the moment, which is really brilliant, is Buckler's Hard. If you've never been down there, you should go to Buckler's Hard. It's, it's like a living museum, and they've started digging up the archaeological society around there, and uh, they found all sorts of interesting things. Talking of interesting things... I got one from Susan, who says, I visited the Bomber Command Memorial in London today with my son. After that, we tried to find the old-fashioned Cobble Street near Waterloo Station you've mentioned. No, not a Cobble Street. The street that's down by Waterloo. As you go down to Waterloo, not the top bit, but you go down the side bits if you're going to the Old Vic. It's on the left-hand side, and it's a street that is perfectly preserved from the 1950s. In fact, they're not allowed to have aerials up. It, it is like they've used it for loads of photo shoots and everything else. So just before, there's a big church on the roundabout on the left-hand side. The road next to that, go down there, and then it's almost straight ahead. And it's, it's, it's like going back into the 50s. The houses have not changed. All the people who live there are very proud of it. The Cobble Street, 
which I mentioned, which is part of a, a famous Victorian street, is in a building off the Strand. And the building kind of cut the street off. So underneath their theatre, and you can see it if you go inside, on the right-hand side, as you go down the Strand heading to Waterloo, um, is this Victorian cobbled street, perfectly preserved. But the one at Waterloo is the street from the 1950s. So there you go. And I can't remember the name of the street near Waterloo. Somebody will write in and tell me, because I can never. I haven't got enough time to find it at this time of the morning. So what's the name of that 1950s street down at Waterloo? Come on, you know. Uh, she also had a great lunch at Joe Allen's. There you go, you see. The one thing about Joe Allen's is I've had, I've had some, <clears throat> some very boozy evenings down there, I'm afraid. Nick Ferrari, after the news at seven this morning. Mehdi Hassan will be looking at the papers, plus uh, London's transport boss will be taking your calls. Uh, and you'll be getting the official word on the Olympic Lanes confusion. And would you really be fined for using them? I'm hoping the answer is yes, because otherwise, it, you know, if, if they actually come back and say, no, you won't be fined, then just use them. But of course, at the moment, you can, till the 25th, when you can't. OK? Is that confusing for some of you? Probably for somebody, but uh, not all of you. LBC 97.3 Thank you. Uh, Peter Rang, it's Rupel Street. Rupel Street is the street I'm thinking of down at uh, Waterloo. Let's go and check it out. If you're wandering around that area, it's worth going... I mean, I went down there and just took... I must have looked like a complete idiot just taking photographs. But it's, it is... A, when you first see it, you think it's a film set. Because it doesn't appear to have changed. It looks like they, they could have filmed anything. Down, and they probably have filmed anything from the craze upwards. You'd have to check on the history of it. But it's, uh, it's amazing. And Gordon, who's a spokesperson for the freedom of tooting, <laughs> of which we offer to anybody, he says he was out and about in the Oldwich area yesterday and would recommend two things for your listeners. One, the exhibition of 50 Years of the Rolling Stones in Somerset House. And two, the weird and wonderful Hunterian Museum in Lincoln's Inn Fields. Now, I like Lincoln's Inn Fields. I haven't done the Hunterian Museum. He said it's not for the faint-hearted. Lots of strange medical things preserved in large glass jars, but very interesting. And he says, I have also looked at the, uh, the new Olympic lanes including the utterly confusing one in Southampton Row, featured on the LBC website. Without wishing to go into the rights and wrongs of these, I wonder why TFL and uh, Logol didn't think to mark them out in different colours, yellow, to all the other white road markings. I'm sure it'll be all right on the night, but given the powers that be have had seven years to prepare for this, it's impossible to avoid using the word shambles. Paris must be laughing itself silly. Thank you, Gordon, very much indeed. Yes, I mean, yellow would have been easier, then you could see it. Because it's done in white, you have to, you've got to literally look at the road. I mean, it's, it's, it's quite mad, I'm afraid. Quite, quite mad. Uh, Nick Ferrari as well. After the news at uh, seven, look at the number of road deaths, which has increased since the first time since 2003. They'll talk to the head of road safety at the AA, Andrew Howard, and, uh, and a guy called Tony Davison, who lost his son in a driving accident. Peter Hendy, the Transport Commissioner for TFL, will be taking your calls about all sorts of things, and also uh, we'll be looking at the employment statistics, which are out now. We're, that with uh, Chris Grayling, the employment minister. All of that and more with Nick Ferrari after the news at seven o'clock. Dog owners make the papers today. Urged to keep animals under control during the school holidays to tackle the unacceptably high number of attacks on postal workers. I bumped into my postman the other day. I like my postman. My postman's nice. He's very good, actually. You know, I've been lucky over the years. I've had really good postmen, and I had a really good milkman some years ago. <laughs> we don't have a milkman now. I just go and buy milk. It's not quite the same. There's not the, not the excitement, I'm afraid. My dear grandparents, says David in Streatham, 
very posh, had four old-style caravans at a place called Rockley Sands in Poole. The memories of all of us grandsons and, uh, and the vans during the 50s and 60s and playing on the trampoline still makes me smile. And who can forget the infamous shower block? I know, trotting over there on a wet morning with your towel over your arm and your washback. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> but, um, it sounds lovely, isn't it? Rockley Sands. And trampolines, isn't it funny? Trampolines, when I was a kid, I remember trampolines on the beach. And you'd pay to have a go on the trampolines. Nowadays, you'd, I mean, I don't know if you even see trampolines on the beach. Amazing, isn't it? The stuff you, you kind of jogs your memory when you, when you read about it. I'm very envious of uh, Shafe Thabani. Who's in the papers today? Shafei Thabani is uh, is terribly bright. He's eight. He's so bright he rewrites computer programs. He's eight. He is the new genius in town. He has just qualified as the world's youngest Microsoft specialist, having mastered complex internet protocol and domain name systems during a thirteen-month course. He's eight. You look at the size of this. The keyboard's bigger than he is. He's smaller than the keyboard. And uh, Mr Thabani from Pakistan denies having his career mapped out for it. He said, I'm not forcing him to do anything. He will decide what he wants to do. When he was three, he was more interested in computers and electronics than toys. Blimey. Three. And now he's eight. And his father is a doctor, Dr Shao Thabani. And uh, it's, it's amazing, really. He's a very, very intelligent boy. He rewrites computer games at eight. At eight, I don't even understand how they work. I sit there sometimes looking at the computer thinking, it's so slow this morning. It is so slow. I cannot understand anything. And here's an eight-year-old who can, who can literally just put you to shame, bless his heart. He's only tiny, but obviously he loves doing it. Uh, thank you. One here. Steve, it's Rupel Street. Do check it out. I promise you, if you never go to anywhere else in London today, you'll, you'll thank me for that one. You'll, you'll take pictures. You will. You will, you'll take... My, my friend Pauline, who loves stuff from the 50s, she would fit into that street well. You could put her in some of her outfits. Uh, also, Holly Willabooby you could send down there, and they would fit into this street because it is a throwback to the 50s. The other one, I cannot remember the name of the building that it's in. This is the Victorian Street. It's just up from Charing Cross, right-hand side, if you're heading down to Waterloo. Uh, Steve, the Black Clabs using the Olympic lanes, is that all trips or just when they have VIPs? No, uh, that's all trips. They're allowed to use the lanes. It's not going to make any difference. That's why I'm curious to find out when Nick checks this morning, will they be implementing fines of 130 quid? The answer is they have to. Because if they don't, you might as well risk driving in the lanes. So, but but make sure you've got it checked out first. But at the moment, you can use all the lanes except the one from Egham this morning which comes into, to, uh, I think, 6 o'clock till 4 this afternoon. And that's just from the Egham roundabout to the Runnymede roundabout. It's only a little short stretch. It's not a, not a particularly uh, long stretch of road. Could run for half a mile or something like that. And then the other one is coming in on the M4. But then, you know, why would you worry about that? The rest of them you can use. They've got signs up saying you can use all the Olympic lanes. And it's great because some people still panic over it. But I whizzed through yesterday. Fantastic. Thank you, Dee from Chelsea. Says the street you're talking about, Stephen Waterloo, is Rupel Street. It's wonderful. Do go down there. I've, I've sent more people down there over the years because they absolutely love it. And they come back and they go, do you know, that was worth, worth going to. Well worth going to. Uh, being 39, says Paul, I was interested here you mentioned the TV series Our House. But a bit puzzled. Do you mean Ours is a Nice House, which starred Thora Heard? No. No, it's called Our House, Charles Hawtrey. Hattie Jakes, Joan Sims, Norman Rossington, and it was written by the same person who did the carry-ons, Norman Huddis. 
He wrote part of those. And it's the only three surviving episodes out of 39. So that's it. So it's, that's why it's difficult to find. Very, you can find it on, uh, I think, Amazon, Our House. So uh, there you go. It's, it's a bit of, bit, of a, bit of a landmark piece of television. I can't wait to see it. I don't know, I don't know what the quality is going to be like on it. But 39 episodes they made. Three have survived unseen for over 50 years. And it just stars a load of people who share a big house together. And so you've got all sorts of people uh, in there. Charles Hawtrey is the local rates officer. Joan Sims has a slightly alarming employment uh, record. And a law student, Norman Rossington. Derek Guiler is in it, who was in Plisa. And Roy had his guest starring, but well worth it. Blackwall Tunnel's open again, southbound, after a car broke down earlier. But uh, don't get too excited. It'll take some time for the queues to clear. So I'm a little, I give you a little bit of good news and, and then I take it away from you. So happy news, sad news. Happy news, sad news. Happy news is that we've got a, a free podcast for you up a little bit later on this morning. I don't know what's going to feature in it today. I suppose Andrea McLean, who's talked about in her dreary life hitting the bottle because she's filmed a kiss with another woman. You need to get over yourself, Andrea. Small wonder nothing's going right at the moment. But as I say, I didn't even know Loose Women was still on. Uh, plus a free team Adidas sweatband. That's lovely. It's got Andy Murray. That'll be the bloke who didn't win Wimbledon who's advertising it. No, he didn't win it. I'm sorry. I'm not... It's, it's OK. I'm sorry we're going to have to be mean. He was a loser. He was a loser. He lost. There's only two people playing. One wins, one lost. And it was our one who lost. The loser. OK? There's no point in applauding failure in this country. Have you seen the advert on the television? Which has got Eddie the Eagle Edwards, whose career has plumbed a new depth. He's now advertising, I'm not wearing glasses anymore. I've had my eyes lasered. Wish they'd lasered some brains into his head. Make it an awful lot easier, wouldn't it? Another loser. We'll go, oh, Eddie the Eagle Edward. No, a loser. Remember, so sorry. Uh, Paul sends about 30 texts a day. He says, I must be honest, I don't know how we all cope without mobiles. Well, do you know, I don't know either. He said, I mentioned come dine to you yesterday, only because the guy who was the hairdresser from Liverpool served chocolate scorpions as a pudding. You did it on air God knows how long ago. And that was one of your funniest shows, along with the AA Man in the Car Park and Julie and the Sprout Liquor. All available on podcast, as far as I wrote. You just have to podcast everything that I've done to find out where they were. Yes, I remember. We had Alan Dodgen eating chocolate-covered scorpions and uh, Julie Peasgood eating Sprout sprout Liquor. It was a... It was a <laughs> off a trolley. Off a trolley. And we had chocolate-covered ants... And then the AA man out of the car park when I got the flat tyre was sent Alan Dodgen out with an umbrella and a mobile phone. It amused us all the time. But you check out Our House. If you can find it, good luck. But it is available and uh, it's on Amazon. I don't think it was terribly expensive. Just about it for this morning. It goes by ever so quickly, doesn't it? Thank you, incidentally, for all your caravanning stories. We're obviously big caravanners. Which is, uh, which is great, because I was a caravanner and I loved it. Uh, front pages of the papers, The Sun, you get your free Adidas sweatband. Uh, Michelle's Max. This is Michelle Keegan. She's got really bad hair on. And nobody goes out wearing an outfit like that, do they? Isn't that most dreadful, cheap, tarty little outfit? I think I must go and buy a pair of those gold-coloured shorts. I think I look quite fetching in them in the office. And uh, apparently he was caught snogging somebody else. The record company said, no, don't worry, it's, it's only a fan. And soccer stars have been warned they may face playing bla- bans or fines for their remarks on Twitter. So uh, tweets are out for the lads. Daily Mirror, the lovers who are buried alive for days. And uh, the Beebs rogue trader. Yes, Ben Pentiardo, jailed three months for fiddling his benefits. Good, 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 good. Madonna did very well the other day. 
and uh, all the fans were out in force, and everybody was very, very happy. Plus, on the Daily Express this morning, Kate Wills and Harry's princely sum for charity, talking about the Royal Foundation. Have yourself a great day. Sadly, it's going to rain again. I could offer you some crumb of comfort and tell you that it's not going to rain, but it is. I'm afraid I'm back with you tomorrow morning between uh, 4 and 6.30. We'll have the free podcast up on LBC a little bit later, probably about half an hour's time this morning. Coming up next on LBC 97.3, it's the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. I always say one thing makes a good carpenter, and that's...